Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, everybody. Good evening. Welcome back to another uh, live episode of Fandom Power. Once again, you're back here with me. I'm Wes. I'm Andy. I'm Hank. Five seconds ago. And you are some. There you are. <laughs> oh, the technology kills us every time. I still can't figure that out. One day we're going to get this right and uh, it'll be fine. But um, what are we up to tonight, fellas? Not a whole lot. We're thinking Disney, though. We just had the uh, Disney Plus Day, the first ever, the inaugural Disney Plus Day, where uh, we were promised a whole lot of stuff. Well, they Second anniversary. Of they did deliver a lot of stuff. <clears throat> Second anniversary of the uh, streaming service. Uh, for those of you who are uh, watching at home, presumably you guys have the uh, the service as well. Welcome back, Red. We are doing it live. Glad to have you back. Thank you, sir, for joining us again on a fine Sunday night. I know we've said it before in our uh, recorded shows, but uh, your entertainment options are wide and varied. So thank you for choosing us. We appreciate that. Disney Plus Day, uh, you know, Andy and I, we had just done uh, the Fandome a couple of weeks ago. And I have to say, uh, compared to what uh, Disney Plus Day was touted as, as a celebration of Disney, which uh, granted it was. It really felt like Disney's answer to Fandom because the Marvel announcements were through the roof. There were so many Marvel things, so much Marvel that we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but there was a little disappointment. I was a little disappointed. Maybe not enough Star Wars. Yeah, Hocus Pocus. I agree with that. I, I. uh, my wife is really happy about that. She's Bet, pretty excited. Midler's back. I mean, she likes. Uh... <laughs> What's not to like about Hocus Pocus, really? <laughs> also, you know what? If you for you guys watching at home, and this is something I'm going to ask you guys as well. Am I the only one that had trouble finding things in the Disney Plus menu yesterday or the day before? Sorry, maybe because like the whole tab to, like dedicated to it. Did you guys find there were there were a couple of things like the uh, the Obi Wan thing was kind of buried? So every I followed everything on the Twitter feed, and they they just released it on the Twitter feed as soon as it came out, like moment by moment, they were dropping like a thumbnail for what was out. Ah, right. I just hop over to the Disney Plus right on my phone and just search it, 
and it took a while. Like yeah, it, yeah. it was all available from for search probably from three a.m. But as they were yeah. dropping things, uh, they would appear oh, on there. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, like you say, Andy, there was the big, uh, there was the big uh, Disney Plus Day banner, uh, not yeah. the, not the top banner, but the uh, the big menu, yeah. sort of in the middle, and then there was a, a there's another one below that, like an explore menu. Yeah. And I, even today, I just noticed there was a couple things that I saw there that I didn't see on Disney Plus Day. And and Hank, you say you followed on the Twitter feed. I actually had the I had uh, uh, Disney's Facebook open uh, the whole day just so that I could sort of keep up with the announcements as well. But it, every time that they dropped an announcement, I would literally back out of my Disney plus app, then go back into it and, and see if the new stuff was there. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. So mm. uh, for any of you guys watching at home, did you guys have any issues finding stuff on Disney plus day? So I guess before we get into the meat and potatoes of things, I, I always like to, uh, to open sort of with some banter, some uh some other wait i'm getting another message here hang on now what's going on i am lagging oh so eric is telling me uh that we are lagging a second slower than the audio but hank you're okay so now oh, wow. my Aha. webcam is faster than my audio well that's interesting let me see if i can uh let me see if i can correct that just uh thanks for the heads up but hang on here a second i'm gonna just make a quick setting adjustment here so then i'm synced I'm with your audio it. You can hear me in real time. Well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and cut that back. I'm playing here with the USB delay because I know we had some issues before. So now I'm about 500 milliseconds. I should be about 500 milliseconds out with the video. So uh, if you're getting anything now on YouTube. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I apologize again. One day we will get this uh, nailed down tight and it would be uh, in a perfect world. It would be perfect, but uh once again, we're not. Well, awesome. We're awesome. Let's move on with the. Uh, let's get on with what's going on here, though. Uh, so Disney Plus Day, uh, November twelfth, uh, just on Friday, and uh, as I was just saying pre-show, there was another interesting thing that happened on November twelfth, and uh, Deadline, Deadline had uh, published uh, published an interview with uh, Sir Ridley, Sir Ridley Scott, and. Uh, there's a section of the interview I want to, I'm going to put it up there for us to kind of chew on and for our, our uh, live viewers to take a look at. And let's, let's kind of, let's kind of mull this one over and talk about it here for a second before we get into this, because I think a lot of what uh, Sir Ridley has to say really touches on sort of what we're going to talk about for the rest of the night. So let's, let's look at this for a second. Almost always the best films are driven by the characters and we'll come to superheroes after this, if you want, because I'll crush it. I'll fucking crush it. They're fucking boring as shit. Their scripts are not any fucking good. I think I've done three great scripted superhero movies. One would be Alien with Sigourney Weaver. One would be fucking Gladiator. And one would be Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. The superhero movies. So why don't the superhero movies have any better stories? Sorry, I got off the rail, but I mean, come on. They're mostly saved by special effects. And that's becoming boring for everyone who works with special effects if you've got the money. Wow. <laughs> I think he just like he took a page out of uh did Ridley just take a page out of Francis Ford Coppola's book there? Maybe. But he's not so he's not the first person to comment on the genre. I mean, even Steven Spielberg has gone so far as to say that, you know, the the genre only has so many years left before the legs fall out from under it. But uh what a strong 
strongly strong agree. opinion from Ridley Scott. Yeah. <clears throat> and I I don't I I don't agree with him. No. I don't agree really? with him for a second. I don't. Really? I don't think that and you know what we've you and I Tank have talked about this before and maybe it's because of my age. And I mean, you know, fact of life there kiddos, the older you get, the more things change your your physiology as a human being changes and i don't know if it's a hormonal thing but i find that i'm a much i'm a much easier uh uh, cinephile i'm not even a cinephile i would say but i'm a much easier fan to please i want to be entertained right that's what i want in a movie and you know we've talked about it with star wars where why do people have to tear it down why do you have to tear it down why can't why isn't it good enough to just leave it at i don't like it now I'm not an artist in the same sense that Ridley Scott is. I don't I don't make films for a living. I you know, but as a consumer, I just I disagree with him completely. Yeah, I see. I would say in in so much as that uh, he's he's attacking like the scripts aren't any good. I would say of the 25 Marvel films, 10 of them have the identical plot line. You know, there uh, there's some weight in that. I think the Marvel formula, especially in Phase One was all the origin stories had a formulaic approach Hmm. and but that's because it's a comic book style formula and i i personally i'm okay with that what i don't want the wheels to come off is the comic book industry like oh no no no, i mean i love these movies and i love these television shows and i love to watch this stuff in live action but where my heart is is with the comics and if that ever comes off the rails i i don't know that you could have one without the other you know like because you know they're starting to tell the stories uh back and forth now they're starting to weave them and and intertwine them more it's becoming more amorphous yeah uh, like a single entity Um, we talked about that before where it's almost like the tail is now wagging the dog how comic books have influenced the film industry which is now reciprocate reciprocally is now influencing the source material. So I'd like to know when that Ridley Scott interview took place and if he's seen Eternals, because Eternals certainly does not follow the format of the stereotypical nope. superhero movie. Not at all, no. Right? It's more of an art house no, style movie. Not. So it might appeal to a Ridley Scott, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, this is the third uh, that I can think of, the third big-time director who sort of weighed in on the genre and has uh you know essentially trashed it yeah tarantino like, had some yeah. words tarantino yeah but tarantino is a bit is an odd duck though because i mean you know even up to what last year he was talking about i want to do a star trek movie right you know what i mean and i know right. that's not a superhero movie per se but i mean if we're gonna if we're gonna throw that up against what ridley scott just said i mean he included both blade runner and alien as uh in the genre so i I think it's fair. Super hard to argue, um, and I mean, we could definitely. There's, there's, you know, but when you, when you're talking, not only two, if he wants to call them superhero movies, but two, yeah, of, yeah. two of probably the top ten greatest movies of all time. Uh, you, I mean, you can't play with that. But see, the thing, the thing, what that affects these people more than just in art, and more than them just being a little bit pissy that that. Um, the superheroes are taking over the genre and they're not making money yep. off it is because, and this yep. happened and I don't, I don't know exactly the details, but I recall reading an article that when avatar was being made by James Cameron, that yes, 
they the, the it was a group of directors who got together and were like nobody is making movies in hollywood because everybody is funding avatar and that, oh, that yeah. probably a hundred good <laughs> movies didn't get made that year because, because of, avatar. of that and that's no but that is the sort of you know where you have every single actor in the in the biz at that at that tier is occupied with okay you know wearing armor and capes there's not a lot of dramatic stretches going on there's not you know that that kind of the character pieces uh aren't like you know you know, you know what i mean like we get to these places where there's five actors playing the same roles over and over and over and then they just turn those five actors over you know? got a great comment here from uh, uh from red who says that um just waiting for that to uh there we go this is why i describe some movies as terrible films but great movies. Movies are enjoyable to watch a, a feast for the senses and films. They make you feel or think or teach you something in my humble opinion. Mm. That's a good, that's a good comment too, because it's a nice distinction. Do we, do we differentiate between, I guess we do. I was going to say, uh, you know, movies and, and high cinema or, or, you know, high theatrics. I, I don't dis I don't uh, separate them that much. I mean, no toy story three. Yeah. That made you feel, Sure it does. There's something sure does, yeah. missing if you didn't feel during that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, inferno scene. I think a lot of what we say. Uh, uh, just sorry, I'm gonna get another another comment here. Because the generation that we have seems to want to know everything, can't just stick to the magic. And I assume by that you mean the magic of of the filmmaking process itself, or the the magic of of going to the theater and enjoying movies. For me. Again, like one, I'm an older, I'm an older consumer now. So I'm, I think I'm a little easier to please that way. And like I said, I, I want to be entertained, but like, you know, in the context of our own show, a lot of what we do is, uh, is genre based. If I mean, if we didn't have these genres, we would, have, <laughs> we wouldn't have a show. No, it's true. So I don't know. Does that, to me, that plays into it on, on some sense. So I, I don't know. I, you know, it's I, probably I'd, some I'd sour grapes. It's probably a lot of sour so? grapes. Well, a lot of these guys aren't making this buck. There's a lot of money to be made in Hollywood if you're jumping on these There trains. sure is a lot of... Like, yeah, every single yeah, one yeah. of us would go, oh my God, Ridley Scott is making a Batman movie and lose our minds. Yeah, right? no, you're lose absolutely Lose our right. minds. So... You can't tell me, and I know, Hank, you and I have had this discussion before, but, like, when the word came out that Ron Howard was directing a Star Wars movie, we both kind of went, what? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. yeah! And give him another one, please. Yes, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> I guess you know that can let's use that to segue into sort of tonight's uh, uh, meat and potatoes, if it were. And uh, last side chat here is uh, Patty Jenkins' uh, Star Wars film has been indefinitely put on hold. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, sometimes <laughs> you know. I have this problem with my music. Um, like, oh, like, yeah. hey, I, I got an idea for an album and I want it to come out next year. So I'm going to yep. tell you about it today. And then oh, next year yeah. when I'm not ready, <laughs> when it's when it's And everybody's and going, later, where is it? You know, Where's my music? Only, there's only four people that uh, listen to me. It's not that big a deal, but it, it can be a big deal when you're rolling with billions of dollars. And I think that sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. swinging for the fences like they did by announcing 15 new shows and 15 new Marvel shows and 15 new Disney movies and th like that, it might be just a little bit much. You know, uh, the, the we know this stuff coming. You're not going to not let us down. We know that things no, are coming not, down yeah. the pipe. 
and I think we're all mature enough that we could sit and wait for something organic to pop up than to be sitting like horses at the gates waiting for a day like this and then to be just completely disappointed by it. I think we're all probably, and I mean, everybody involved, I think is probably, we can wait for things organically. So when you, when you like, and it's, it's based on revenue, you charging it up, you, you offer that, um, uh, $1.99 uh, subscription thing for the, for the, you know, yeah, it was open yeah, for yeah. like 24 hours there. Uh, to get people yeah, the first uh, first month of uh, uh for new subs and uh, for new subscribers and for returning customers i'll tell you what disney day reminded me of is i've been giving them nine bucks a month for two years <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah, it reminded yeah. me of <laughs> uh, funny you should say the 15 i just counted and including the guardians uh the guardians holiday special i think it was 16 marvel announcements yesterday <laughs> yeah right uh, all right so let's get into it and uh Oh, Ridley on superhero films. We just talked about that. So let's first thing I want to talk about uh, is we had a, a couple of big uh, new releases that went uh, wide release. And uh, I don't know if you guys have watched any of those yet. Uh, actually, I saw two of them prior to Disney Plus Day. So we got uh, I don't know if anybody saw this one coming. Did anybody uh, anticipate Home Sweet Home Alone? So I had heard about this and I had I like just rumors and I'd read something, a little article about it a, a while ago and thought it was like uh, the spiritual successor. I didn't realize it's actually a remake of the original. Yeah, I went back and I watched the uh, the trailer because uh, there's a pretty solid trailer for it. And really, as you say, ostensibly, it is uh, now the jokes are updated and, and the, the visuals are more modern, but it's yeah. essentially... A remake, yeah, a remake of the of beat the first, for beat, uh, and uh, it's yeah, generally speaking. Uh, so, and I thought we were approaching. <laughs> yes, Mark, seventeen. Thank 17, you for correcting yeah. me. Seventeen <clears throat> announcements for Marvel. I thought we were at this place with Disney where we were turning all our 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 live action hits into cartoons and all our cartoons into live action. Hits. Yeah, so I thought maybe yeah, yeah. animated Home Alone to go with the live action Pinocchio would be a nice pairing. Uh, <laughs> Does anybody know who Tom Hanks is playing in that? Is it Geppetto or is it Cricket? Is he going to be the Cricket? Oh my lord! <laughs> you know Jiminy Cricket out of uh, Tom Hanks is Jiminy Cricket. Actually, sounds pretty good to be honest. Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, the, the thing with the uh, Home Sweet Home Alone, and I know like uh, the Disney has been sort of really trying to figure out their branding and how they're going to sneak in all this other entertainment that's not necessarily uh you know up to the disney brand right and so that for us i mean we down in the states they've got uh, hulu which is a, a disney platform and and up here we've got the star tab on your disney plus subscription so that's kind of where that is but this is a 20th century studios production so uh is this the first no i think new mutants was the first no new, new mutants was the last movie to carry the 20th century fox logo yeah right i don't remember what the first one the switchover was uh red uh buzz McAllister is in it buzz McAllister. i don't think i'm even familiar with that actor to be honest no with you. that's the character that's his older brother that you know oh my the lord tarantula and the uh you mean kevin's older brother yeah oh. <laughs> so oh, the, is okay. that is that a now, if that's real, then that gives us an actual connection back to mm -hmm. the original. Oh, okay. All right. So or it could just be a cameo, like uh, you know, the Ghostbusters in the female I, remake. 
Speaking of the, uh, I know we're not talking about Ghostbusters, but the final trailer for uh, Afterlife came out. Yeah, and we got a mid torso shot of at least two two legacy cast members. Yeah. Possible, <clears throat> possibly, possibly, could be a swerve. All right, the other the other one that came out, uh, which Kim and I actually we got this when it was uh, down for premiere access was uh, Jungle Cruise, and uh, if you're a fan of, um, I was going to say if you're a fan of the Jumanji the new Jumanji films, there is absolutely no reason why you would not like uh, Jungle Cruise. And I mean, here it is, is another, uh, another Disney film that is based on a theme park ride. And I mean, I've never been to, to any of the Disney parks. I've never ridden the ride, so I can't tell you how it compares, but as a movie, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It looked like, like some sort of uh African queen meets Jumanji to me. Like, so it looked like a good time. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah, going to check yeah, it out. Yeah. I haven't checked it out yet, but I definitely will. Buzz McAllister is a cop in the in the new uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. Okay, thank you for that. And then I think the big one that everybody was waiting for, uh, and uh, certainly I watched it for the second time now, uh, was uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, I mean... Uh, did you guys, you guys are first time watchers on that one? I am going to be checking it oh, out. Oh, you haven't seen I, it yet. <laughs> I, uh, I saw it in the theaters. Oh, that's so. I saw it in the nice. theaters. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a big fan, um, but I don't want to say anything negative. I just, no, that's <clears> right. It was really good till it turned into Green Lantern. Oh. <laughs> you really just, think it, the, the well, there was like, that at way? the very end of the two CGI clouds fighting was just, I, I just, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I got to check it out again because I, I definitely have to check it out again because I often uh, like to consume things 10 times before I really hone in or on the way in on them. You know. That's fair. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is fair. And I just, it's I, not I said because it before. I'm an ass. I, I, I have a very discerning palette with the stuff that I feel like. And I try to do it without having all the negativity that, that people just blanket yes. stuff with. And especially no, yeah. for the, like, oh, there's Chinese people in it. That's crazy. I'm not, that's the, you guys know that's the furthest thing. But I, I, um, I have such a discerning taste that I, like, I'm very, I'm hard on my Marvel stuff. And it's maybe, like, yeah. harder than the average, maybe. And so it's, it's almost maybe even a disservice to, like, the level of stuff I expect. And I've, I certainly got it with, 75% of the stuff I've seen so far and the television stuff has been amazing like absolutely right. amazing so uh when we hit a few bumps in the road I I don't get twisted uh you know no I I understand why a lot of people did like uh and I I hey I love the bus fight scene is is it's a phenomenal yeah, choreographed fight scene yeah. yeah the thing for me and I we've talked about this before and and I've I've mentioned it to other people is I am a a fan of Chinese mysticism. So in that regard, all the things that happen in, in, uh, in Talo and the other, I guess it's really another dimension, which I suspect is going to feature heavily going into phase four, given the whole multiversal thing. Do we think that maybe um, where Daredevil is at the end of season three of the Netflix show? I don't know. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Right? <laughs> Mark says, I'm little on my Marvel stuff. And uh, yes, Mark, uh, you are not alone. A lot of a lot of fans really, especially especially the the Gen X's like us who are, you know, who came up with a lot of the the, the from the 1970s forward where we we've been dying for this stuff for for decades. Right. And now we're getting these um, 
these real high quality translations. And, and I think, you know, a lot of us are in that position or in the same sort of opinion where we would like a, a very literal translation. And so you're not alone in saying that. It's super tough when you go come out of the gates with um, your, your a game, your a, you know what I mean? Uh, I know they're yep. holding back the X-Men and the fantastic four, which is going to be the sort of the a characters of this, the next waves, but it's super mm-hmm. tough for, uh, I would think anyway, and I, I, I guess I actually don't have any perspective, but for a casual viewer to jump onto something like the Eternals, where like as an avid Marvel comic reader, I'm, I'm probably loath to pick up an Eternals issue. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's yeah, not yeah, like, yeah. it's not up there with, you know, there's, there's just a lot of other titles I would read first. So it's the, some of the choices are interesting. Eric says might be in spider verse two. And I'm not sure if that's a, a, an X-Men reference or a fantastic four reference, but or where somebody, Daredevil is. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, maybe, maybe. And then uh, Mark is also a character that people don't know about. <laughs> right. As in, uh, and... sorry, the reference was to Madam web. Oh yeah. Ah, but which version? That's true. If you were a fan of the '90s animated series, then I mean, you got pretty familiar with her very quickly. Can yeah, we step? Version, can we anyway. step sideways into that for just a brief second? And and uh, of possibly, course we can. It's our show. We can do whatever man, we want. Possibly the thing that I'm excited <laughs> about the most is X Men '97. Yep. Um, oh well, let me just jump right ahead to that because I've got yeah. a I've got a screenshot for you here. It's not now they talked they talked uh, they talked another Spider Man cartoon uh, Spider Spider Man Year One uh, in with that, yeah. which looks like it's going to be. Uh, 1960s style Stanley, uh, uh, you know, driven kind of early Spider-Man stuff that looked interesting. But this thing, I, I yep. I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of of uh, this cartoon, uh, the original at any rate. Yeah, and I dove into I'm, season uh, what season six, the last season, which is or season five, which five. is what six episodes. And it was oh so, and was although a, they took liberties, it was the, it was the first place where yeah. we actually got stuff like where they were picking stuff out of the comics that didn't talk down like and i I realized i was an adult while it was on you know but right right the stories they chose to tell well you know that's possible i think that's probably true madam webb brought in blade yeah that's entirely possible they started telling the stories like the uh, version like hot ant may yeah (laughs) carpenter yeah right uh you know you get like uh just, just this, this, like the Age of Apocalypse story, and the, and the, and the yeah. crazy, you yeah. know, the the Dark Phoenix, stuff the Phoenix or, and the Dark Phoenix thing, the really yeah, yeah. dark, dark sort of path, like you know, the, the horrible was, uh, stuff uh, that happens to Cyclops with Mister Sinister, and it. You I was going to say uh, the final season actually has a whole episode on the origin of Sinister as uh, as uh, Mister Essex. Right, right, and Nathaniel, so yeah, Nathaniel Essex. What, yeah. what we're all hoping is it's just going to pick up where we left off, and it, it certainly appears that way with the title, yeah, yeah and yeah. then the graphic they show us, and then uh, I heard that at least ten cast members will re- be returning to either new roles or their original yep. roles. I don't know yep. who's alive still, but I am so oh, excited about that. Yeah, um, so Court should be what did I get here? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, the big comfy catch. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so according, according to what I read, uh, in the research piece, it's uh, a revival of the classic animated series with several original actors reprising their roles set to pick up where the original series left off. It is the first X-Men project produced by Marvel studios. The revival will update the series for modern audiences and explore how the characters have changed following the turn of the millennium while also paying homage to the original series. Perfect. 
So, um, gateway to live I, action stuff, I would assume. I can totally, uh, I'm totally anticipating, uh, uh, some gentle, gentle updates to the animation models because, and they're great. Um, but let's be honest, the, the Wolverine's claws look like shite. Yeah. I never did they, like that. They drew like them out the of breakneck feet. Uh, in the, <laughs> those, uh, those studios just produced mass produced cartoons in the, in this, in the 80s and 90s at breakneck pace. Yep. Yep. Yeah, really. Uh, yes, yes, better have that kick-ass intro music. So help me. There's a there's another side story out there for you guys. Uh, when you get some time, you want to dive into it. Is that uh, there's there's a question as to whether or not the intro music is uh, stolen from a, a Russian. Uh, it's like almost like a Russian big band piece. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I'll try and I'll try and find it and do a, a social media post for it later. Um, to uh, to get you up to speed on that one. But it's kind of funny because we were, we were we're driving one night and we're in the city and uh just listened to the news and that came on and they were talking about this hey have you ever heard this story and they they played both pieces back to back and it's like you'd be uncanny what yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice touche nice all right so uh all right let's get back to it so now we've touched on uh we just touched on home sweet home alone jungle cruise and shang chi now <laughs> this one kind of caught me off guard and i actually watched this so everything we're going to talk about tonight i have watched uh, for the most part uh like i said i didn't watch home sweet home alone but it's on my it's on my list because it is a christmas movie so i'm going to get into that here shortly um did you guys watch the simpsons in a plus aversary i did i i, did I watched it yet. as well cameo laden so th- this thing um funny uh and gotta be honest it's the first simpsons uh property that i've watched from start to finish in probably over a decade. Oh. I mean, I dropped out of the Simpsons like a long time ago. So um, this one brought me back in and it, and it plays out like this. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, essentially it's this, like everybody it's this big celebration of the Disney brand. And it's like all the Disney characters, including like the Marvel guys and the star Wars guys, they all are going to Moe's for this big celebration. It's a and, throwback uh, to flaming Moe when he's yeah, got, like, yeah, yeah. and everything guards, not letting Absolutely. people in and, but there's this cool moment where like Homer, he cannot get in. He's not on the guest list. And so uh, everybody that's wreck it. Ralph is the doorman yep. and uh, he's checking off people as they go in. And and then finally goofy gets to the front of the line and uh, they're like, he doesn't have a plus one. So Homer's like, I'm your plus one. And so they get in together and we get this really cool moment. And this is kind of what's got everybody talking is uh, Homer and goofy sharing some brews, mm-hmm. which is like huge to see a Disney character uh, in 2021 consume alcohol. Um, and, but that's kind of cool though, because they actually, uh, I dug around yesterday and came up with the, why they were allowed to do that. Uh, there was a couple, couple things that sort of, uh, that Disney kind of put the, put to the Simpsons creators. They said, you cannot touch Mickey mouse. He is not usable. You may not use him, which is why we get Bart dressed up as Mickey. We don't actually see Mickey in the uh, in the short. You uh, get a shadow and think it is him, but yeah, yeah, it's Bart. Yeah. They also said that any character that was considered a role model for children could not be depicted consuming alcohol. Um, Hmm. So uh, the reason why they were allowed to do it with Goofy is that Goofy has already been depicted as an adult male with a son. So based on that, they were yeah, it was okay to show him uh, having some brews. But I mean, if you go back and you watch it, watch it closely. Uh, Homer is pretty tanked. Goofy, I would say, is not. 
you know, he's, he's just sort of like pouring out his heart and soul to, to Homer, but uh, mm-hmm. Homer's sloshed. <laughs> Judging by his speech patterns, perhaps Goofy is always tanked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo. Oh, yo. Uh, uh, oh, sadly, of, of all the characters, Goofy would be the one to drink. Single father, perpetual klutz. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I think, uh, what's the, the goofy sports, all the goofy sports, uh, shorts from when we were, uh, back, when we were kids, the goof can hold his liquor. <laughs> nice. All right. So that's kind of the, uh, that we would we'll just do there. The, um, the, the films, the, uh, the Simpsons thing. All right. Let's, let's go ahead first here into the Marvel stuff. And it's not in any particular order. It just happened to be the, the way that I was putting the episode together. First thing we're going to talk about here. Oh, so the Marvel 2021 reel. I actually said to myself, am I watching the right thing? Because the first, at least half, it was more than half. Yeah. I don't know how much of that reel was material that we've already seen already aired. <laughs> um, there, there's the whole, uh, uh, the over, uh, the voiceover from the watcher. And I'll, basically it's a big sizzle reel for everything that has already come until we finally get to, Hawkeye. And uh we get this cool little uh cool little shot here with um uh Jeremy Renner obviously is back as, as a Hawkeye and Haley Stanford as uh as Kate Bishop. So um do you guys know anything about the show yet? Have you looked uh, into it? A little bit. Very basic. Yeah. So essentially um it's a post post blip New York City. Clint has to work together with the young Kate Bishop to confront enemies from his past as Ronan in order to get back to his family in time for Christmas. Right. Because for some reason she has taken up the Ronan identity. Yeah. We see in that, that sizzle, that little snippet that she's been running around as Ronan doing stuff in his name. And now clearly he's got to help her clean that up. Um, It's a Christmas movie or it's a, sorry, it's a Christmas series. Set during that time frame. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Hawkeye saves Christmas. Yes, and uh, they, they've confirmed uh, like he's deaf. He plays the it's and that that, that storyline from the uh, the comic where he loses his hearing temporarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so, yeah it's um, kind of dope. Could this be like fallout from him getting trapped in that explosion at the end of Endgame? I don't know, but like I, so I mean, I kind of approach this from the same way that we do like our other review series stuff, where I kind of like who's writing this and who's directing this because that can really inform the viewer what you might be in for. And so the directing on this one is actually going to be split up. So, uh, um, split between Reese Thompson. And if you're not familiar with Reese Thompson, his biggest, uh, claim is eight seasons of Saturday night live, like sketch comedy. Crazy. Oh, humor vibe. Right. And then the other half is a, a directing team called uh, Bert and Bertie. Are you guys familiar with them? No. Amber, Amber Templemore Finlayson, known as Bert and Katie Elwood as Bertie. So Bert and Bertie and their biggest claim to fame is a film called Troop Zero. Hmm. Don't hmm. believe I've seen that one. So now we've had comedy in Marvel before. Um, ostensibly Ant-Man was a comedy. Yep. Thor Ragnarok was a comedy. Guardians um, of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we know that comedy as a trope in Marvel, they are, they are compatible, but I don't know. I don't know what to expect, <laughs> you know, that it, we've got a sketch comedy writer 
writing a serialized television series. Not saying that mm. they can't do it, but I just kind of go, what is that going to look like? Sorry, I not had writing. Seen, I had seen directing. a something with it where the two characters were like having this conversation, and it felt yeah. they, there was like no chemistry between them in this sort of live snippet they were doing, and it, it seemed yeah. awkward. Yeah, and yeah. then it was like maybe it was on purpose. Uh, they were very awkward around one another. I, I you know, uh, these are the, these are the kind of things where there's really nothing to lose for me. I don't really care about Hawkeye yeah, so much, fair. so I, there's nothing to lose for me. So I'm, I'm going to watch it. And no. The other thing is uh, the writers on this one, Katie Mathewson and Tanner Bean, these people both worked on Christmas ever after. So, I mean, we know it's, it's uh, Christmas is sort of the backdrop to this. So we've got, we've got at least two Christmas, Christmas movie writers. So I think we've got that kind of locked up. And then your other writer is uh, Elisa Clement, who's most well known for 10 episodes of a show called Imposters. I've never seen imposters, so I can't really compare that to how uh, what this is going to look like. When you, that's when that's you your su- writing and directing team. When you submit your story around a holiday, you really got to pull it off because because otherwise it doesn't it's not timeless. Um, Home Alone no, is so timeless. True. Uh, Christmas Story Die is Hard. timeless. Die Hard is timeless. Um, you know, but there's certain other things that just don't work. Like you know, um, does everybody remember that Gremlins is a is a Christmas movie? Yeah, yep, we do, I do sir. sure, yes, but it's I not do. up yeah. there with those other ones. You know what I mean? I, I, for me, it is. No, you're but, right. But it's got that other. Yeah, so you, you really got to pull Christmas or Halloween or Thanksgiving right out off the, yeah, um, right off the shelf uh, to make it work. Right, right. Uh, to keep it timeless. Otherwise, it gets pigeonholed into just let's watch it next Christmas again. Red says that Hawkeye is the comic relief, though. The city is flying, and we're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense. Yes, uh, I would agree. Hawkeye has been the, the sort of the brunt, the brunt of all the gags over the course of uh, Phase One and and Phase Two to uh, to a lesser degree. He's Batman with no money. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. That's an interesting analogy too. Yeah, yeah. He's a better adjusted Batman. He's got a wife and kids. There you go. Yeah, and I'd rather see Affleck play him too. <laughs> <laughs> somehow I, I don't think i could disagree with you on that one cool thing we saw this before in an earlier hawkeye uh, uh trailer but we get a better look at it this time is the uh the billboard for uh, rogers the musical that was my favorite thing in the whole trailer actually yeah uh i'm quite jazzed about that i'd like to know as we saw with uh, thor ragnarok and we're going to see again in thor love and thunder we've already seen the play uh, within the movie so are we going to see are we going to see parts of Rogers the musical? Is somebody going to be attending that show and we're going to be inside the theater? If that was a Disney Plus release, I would watch that before a lot of the stuff they did release. Uh, <laughs> I'd Andy, watch you've that. been reading some stuff. I have been. There's been like outcry on the internet. People want this to become a reality. Oh, yeah. To do it as they an They need their musical. You guys familiar and, with uh, Arrested Development at all? There's a, a musical yeah. within the show. Uh, they, they do the Fantastic Four, the musical. Yes, uh, they do. In, inside the show, it's uh, it's kind of weird. And Ron Howard's involved, though. It's kind of neat. Listen, if you can, de- I mean, Star Wars the musical. That's a real thing. Look it's it up. A real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Spider Man the musical. musical. Yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah. these the genre stuff that we all love. Uh, people have you know taken to wanting to adapt it, and whether it's good or not, oh, I don't know. Disney, what is this? Disney should hire Lin Manuel Miranda to make this for Broadway. Nice. 
Oh, man. What kind of world do we live in when uh, Marvel is on Broadway? A good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next here? Uh, so that's Hawkeye. And then uh, what's next? Do we get? Uh, we got a. Oh, this one was hard to screenshot, man. Everything was so fast and cut and dark. Uh, Moon Knight. I stood I'm up. Speaking of that. I stood <laughs> up. I got create Like I did. I this one. To, I either I forgot about it or I didn't know about it, which seems unlikely. And I certainly <laughs> didn't know that Oscar Isaac was attached to it. I stood up and cheered for this one. Sweet. It's Moon Knight. It's, it does star Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector. Man. Who is Moon Knight. Now, the other one is Ethan Hawke has been cast as the as an unnamed main villain. Now, I don't know enough about Moon Knight to know who's who in the Moon Knight Zoo. But Ethan Hawke, I'm in just for yeah. that. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's really gritty. Uh most of it was very you know they needed that batman edge uh i always had a secret you know it was always one of my guilty pleasures moon knight comics actually yeah what do we know about the character Uh, he's rich like batman yeah yeah Uh, yeah his powers are onk based uh magic onk um he's got a he's got a, a a multiple personality disorder that yeah that's right i don't know if that i don't know if that's in the comic book or if that's just for this uh, uh, I think it's in the in the later iterations of the character. There's is it? there's more than okay. one Moon Knight uh, in some of the comics, uh, like different a uh, different guy wearing the mantle. It's ostensibly yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman, um, dark and brooding, uh, you know. But it's it it takes the trope and puts him in a bright white sort of you know right, cowboy right, right. outfit, like not you know not literally a cowboy outfit, but that trope, the bright white knight. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's a billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> he's got lots of money to back yeah. it up. The premise reads, uh, Mark Spector, who suffers from dissociative identity disorder, is drawn into a deadly war of gods with his multiple identities. Hmm. And as you say, it is, it's heavily Egyptian based, right? Because, I mean, he basically is the embodiment of one of the Egyptian gods or something. He gets his powers from one of yeah, them yeah. or channeled through him. What's cool is, uh, this is a really interesting thing. Uh, the directing duties on this one are split between a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Muhammad Diab. Now, Muhammad Diab is an Egyptian screenwriter and director, but his work primarily focuses on issues that concern Egyptian society and culture. Perfect. And then uh, the other half of that is a, du- a directing duo of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who have done like a crap load of horror movies that I've never heard of. So you've got You've got somebody who's well versed in Egyptian culture, and you got a couple of horror guys that are directing this. So that yeah, should give us some indication of which direction it's going. Well, I always Very felt cool. Moon Knight kind of slotted in well with like your Ghost Riders and yeah, yeah, stalkers. yeah, your darker, yeah, the, the dark, yeah, yeah, Daredevil, that sort of the uh, Marvel Knights uh, uh, run of comics. There, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got a, a, a writing team consisting of uh, Bo DeMaio, who was a writer on both The Witcher. And uh, the animated series, Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. Well, cool. Now, uh, then we've got Danielle Iman, which is pretty cool. Uh, back on, uh, she worked on a, on a show called Swagger, where she was a, a Writers Guild of America uh, trainee for 10 of those episodes. And then she worked as additional production staff on Grey's Anatomy. So this is actually her first, her first shot in the writer's seat, uh, like, not under somebody else so good for her 
it uh, you know shows that Marvel's willing to take chances on people. They say Real this cool. one is going to be uh, six episodes, uh, each of those somewhere between 40 and uh, 50 minutes each. So um, it's consistent with what we've seen so far, I think. Yeah. All right. So um, I did get some more stuff here from Moon Knight. We've got, uh, there's a shot of Mark Spector. In the, uh, obviously, this is somewhere museum-ish. I think that's yeah. a, what a, a crocodile in the foreground and a, and a sarcophagus in the background. And then a little bit of foreshadow, a little bit of foreshadowing here, with the uh, the whites on. <laughs> and then uh, it's really hard to see. This scene went by so fast; it was hard mm-hmm. to, to to get what's going on here. But like, he's literally pummeling somebody at the oh, end of that corridor. Somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, right towards the end of the uh, the sizzler, we get this sort of hero shot with him uh, leaping across across the uh the street that's uh the crescent moon yeah yeah but i mean look at the the width of that try that one batman <laughs> <laughs> and then later on towards there's a there's a couple shots that are out of order and this one happens so fast i barely got it and it's really blurry but a little bit more of a of a shot of the some of the costume elements there anyway the hero yeah. landing yeah 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 all right so what's our next one here the next one we're going to talk about and i think this one I think this one's going to be fun. And uh, we already talked a little bit about Daredevil. And, and this is another case of, is this the opening the door uh, for, for Daredevil to come back into the MCU pre post Spider-Man? Cause we're not sure if that's happening or not. The Marvel legal team. Yeah. She Hulk. Mm-hmm. She Hulk uh, was starring Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, uh, AKA she Hulk. Mark Ruffalo's back as uh, Bruce Banner and uh, Tim Roth confirmed it could be coming back this uh, to this one as Emil Blonsky and awesome. uh, Jamila Jamila Jamil as Titania. That's real cool too. So that's, that's I'm looking forward to this one. Super close proximity to molecule man uh, with Titania right. being a character like, uh, yeah, we could get some really cool kickoff stuff here. Yeah. I, and, um, all I want in life is for She-Hulk to be like 96% serial courtroom drama. <laughs> it looks like she's going to be breaking the fourth wall. There's a scene in that trailer where she sort of turns to the camera and stares the camera straight in the eye. And I hope we get that. She give it office. a wink wink. Yeah. Um, she used to do that in the comics all the time, actually. The way Byrne used to right, write. Right, right, right. Yeah, write the sensational She-Hulk. Yeah, when she, yeah. I'll come to your house and I'll rip up all your X-Men comics. You know, stuff like uh, that. Right, right. We get a good shot of her doing the uh, some yoga here, where she get, looks directly at the camera. We get two uh, two really really good shots, uh, uh, hulked out shots, um, and she's very much dressed in the traditional oh, yeah with the biker shorts, yeah yeah yeah, yeah purple, yeah. yeah, yes yeah. And then so then you know we get a good shot here of uh, Bruce, uh, or as uh, Professor Hulk as I like to call him, and this this kind of speaks to where we might be within the mcu timeline right uh, we got a couple of possibilities here one we've got a, a fully uh healed uh, uh professor hulk post uh post endgame or we are pre-endgame and he has not snapped yet yes now i mean the jury is out on that one but i kind of think that it's the, the latter it's probably that and not not the former uh, I don't know. He seems to be healing very well in the end of Shang-Chi. Well, that's the other thing. So, but in Shang-Chi, he's still wearing a sling 
Right, Spoiler but he's not all he's charred not up. He's not burnt and everything. No, he's, he's still wearing right, the sling. Right. So he's uh, it's sort of that was that indicated to me a progression of healing. And I think that you'll there's find some, he has that ability to change when he wants now. There's been some discussion about uh, I don't want to say the Savage Hulk, but the the monster version of Hulk making a comeback in a future phase. The Maestro. They're not done. Maybe I've heard of, not I've done heard with that element rumblings of World War Hulk. Yeah, that would be good if they didn't already touch on it in uh, Ragnarok. How yeah. did really though? Well, that's Planet do? Hulk. That's Planet Hulk. World War Hulk. Exactly. Bit. I mean, it, yeah, but it spun out of Planet Hulk. It did. You no, got it a ship, did. and that's true. You've got it to set that up, though. I mean, if you've read if you've read Planet Hulk, then you know that we have to have the setup, and the setup for World War Hulk just wasn't in Ragnarok no. because there's no nobody sent him into space. Nobody lied to him. Yeah, it was completely, oops. Yeah. You know, so. But to get that set up, there's some key players that are not in the Marvel Universe yet. So uh, That's also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of Uh, issues with Reed Richards. Yeah. (laughs) You too, Charles Xavier, uh, Namor, and who else is on? Oh, Steven. And then there's there's that rumor that we're going to get an Illuminati uh, scene in the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, like right, an right. post-credit scene with with uh, Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier and a few other characters of that nature. So that's that could be real cool, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to uh, uh, She-Hulk here for a second, we've got uh, there's a they're not there's going to be at least two directors on this one. One is Cat uh, Corio, who's uh, uh, mostly known for "It's Always Sunny, uh, sunny in Philadelphia." Nice. Uh, also Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then <laughs> uh, Anu Vala, who, believe it or not, was a producer. Oh, you guys remember uh, College, College Humor? Yes, College Humor, the internet, uh, mm-hmm. essentially the internet show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a producer on College Humor. This one is written by uh, Dana Schwartz, who was an uh, an intern for both Conan O'Brien and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Huh. Was also was also a former writer for the New York Observer. Um, and then co-written with uh, Melissa Hunter of the Santa Clarita Diet, uh, and then this one should be this should impress you guys anyway. Uh, Cody Ziegler, uh, a writer for Spider-Man, also Rick and Morty and Robot Chicken, crazy. And uh, and then uh, Zeb Wells, also uh, a Marvel writer on Heroes for Hire, Civil War, Young Avengers, and the various Spider-Man titles. So it looks like they're going fairly light and um, witty, light and comedy. Yeah, I would say so. And then it looks like Moon Knight might be dark and grim. We're looking at uh, 10 30 minute episodes on this one. So um, much more like uh, in that sitcom territory, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark says, uh, Sentry. You need Sentry for that. I'm not sure what you're referring to, Mark, when you say that we need Sentry for that. Oh, for World War Hulk. Oh, for World War Hulk. Oh, yes. Because who else can stop him? That's right. Yes, no, you're ab- you're absolutely right. Yes, mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that. All right, moving on. Uh, so then, uh, in the sizzle reel, we move on to uh, Miss Marvel, right? Um, and Miss Marvel, right now, there's there's not a whole lot known about it. Um, it's a it surrounds uh, Kamala Khan, who is a, a big fan of the Avengers, particularly Carol Danvers, as she struggles to fit in, uh, and then she develops her own superpowers. Mm-hmm. Stars uh, Iman uh, Iman Vilain as Kamala Khan or Miss Marvel, 
Um, and then also we have, so directing by uh, a duo of Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah, who uh, directed Bad Boys for Life, also directed by Sharmin Obed Shinroy, who's a Pakistani-Canadian journalist, uh, filmmaker, and activist known for her work in films that highlight the inequality awesome. of women. Awesome. So here's another... This is another one where, you know, the, the people that we're hiring to make these, uh, to make the pieces aren't necessarily traditional filmmakers, but they no. have a vested interest but in they're, it. Yeah. They're so going to be done right. Yeah. Yeah. These are people who are interested in, in cultural issues that are important to them. And again, you know, this came up today in a whole other uh, respect, but again, the whole idea of something being woke and my, my counter proposal to that was since when is woke being a bad thing? When is representation ever a bad thing? Never. So happy to see that those are the type of people that, uh, that they're hiring. And like people saying, you know, go out and create new characters. Yeah. Here you go. Right. Uh, Absolutely. I heard in an article of her. I read an article the other day though, that they've, they've, put a, the brakes on the show quite a bit and it was interesting to see that there was kind of a mini trailer for it uh yeah i, I actually agree with that I, I really do agree with that she's an amazing character um uh but i heard that they they mocked with her powers so badly in the show that they, they're gonna redo a lot of they're gonna stuff. reshoot some stuff okay uh they gave her energy-based powers like carol danvers and apparently well, did you say te- that didn't test well apparently didn't test well uh and like they 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 you know Everybody wants that Kamala Khan, that Miss Marvel from the comics, and uh, it's yeah, fantastic. We get a, 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 in that Sizzler, we get something, and I don't know if that pertains to, but here she is. She's wearing her Carol Danvers costume, and right. she's she's about getting to fly. you know, she's rimmed in some form of energy, and I don't know if that's being thrust at her or from within her. Like I'm not yeah. sure where that is. So like it'd be say, interesting to see how that powers. plays out. But I I did have a thought too as to why they might have gone that direction, and that's that. Uh, while Camilla Khan is, is uh, I agree with uh, Red there, she's one of the greatest things to happen to comics in a long time, probably a decade. Um, I, I Because her power set is derivative of Reed Richards, I don't know that you want to take with his, his <laughs> I don't know, like where he sits on the pantheon of Marvel characters. I don't know that you want to sure, introduce sure. him second and have a, a group of people that don't know the comics go, Oh, why is that guy derivative of Miss Marvel? Miss Marvel, her, yeah, rather than the, the other, other way. way around, because she's gotcha, an homage gotcha. to everything that's come yeah, before her, yeah, and yeah. that's very important. Uh, but I'm, I'm actually, I didn't know about this show. I, I again, it was one of those things where I'd read a little tiny blurb, and 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 this is sort yep. of reminding me, and I'm excited about it too, um, especially when I hear about the creative people, like um, we. That's a good yeah. comment. In fairness, uh, stretchy powers are a huge cost in special that's, effects. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, they got to and they got to knock it out that. of the park, right? They got to knock it out of the park. We've seen it with uh, um, DC Flash. Uh, uh, oh, elongated man. Yeah, with the elongated man, where Ralph you know, Kennedy. if you're if you do something close up, like if you do something like just just in frame, where you can just stick the hand in, like whoop, it can kind of work. But then when you have these full you know, the full body, uh, you know, where you've got to see the whole character doing his thing. I mean, there is a, there is a cost associated with that. And I know we've said this before. Yes, it's Marvel and Disney, and we tend to think unlimited budgets, but it is a television budget. So how much money are they going to, are they going to put into it to make that look 
credible. And I'm sure that it's more than your average TV show, but still. Well, yeah. The technology has been tested. What with the first, you know, version. Of I the hope Fantastic they don't do film. that with Adam Warlock. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel you on that one, Mark. Yeah. We all want to see Adam Warlock to his full potential. Hmm. A bit late to the game for him, though. That's true. But I mean, I don't think that that's a character that's going to get introduced in a television property, though. No. But uh, I mean, he'll get the big screen treatment and, and, uh, maybe we can, oh, there, there's the a good, there's a good follow up. James Gunn would pay for it. You know, he did, uh, out of pocket, he paid for some of the, the suicide squad. So I think any, I think it was some of the reshoots that he paid for, um, going back to, uh, um, Kamala Khan though, in Miss Marvel, uh, what's cool about this is it's actually being set up as the, uh, as the lead in for, uh, the Marvels, uh, or, uh, Oh my God, that's not what it's called. I made a note for it and I can't even remember where I put it. Look at that. Essentially, this is going to be the, uh, oh yeah, the setup for um, the Marvels with Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau uh, as in a team up. Mm-hmm. So that could be cool. Now that's, think about it. We've already been introduced to Monica Rambeau back in uh, WandaVision. I mean, how far, how far out are we before we get this? We were introduced her back in the first Captain Marvel film. That's as a true. Kid, as a though. child, I was more but, thinking adult Monica, but well, now yeah. she's got her power. So. Right. So we're, what are we getting? Uh, we're going to get uh, uh, Captain Marvel, Photon, and Miss Marvel. Yep. That seems pretty fair. Uh, so just to round out sort of the, the production team here, writers on this one, Freddie Seaborn, who has written a boatload of British television that I've never seen. And uh, AC Bradley, who uh, we all know and love, from her work on uh, dun, 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 the Bad Batch, as well as uh, What If and uh, Troll Hunters, is uh, is back. So pretty excited about that. All right, here. What else we got? Uh, oh, I tried to get this shot. There is a shot of her running by. Now, I kind of think she's using her stretchy powers there, but it was happened so fast, and it's it's like, is that a reflection in that building? Is she running across another building? Or is she in the windows of that building? And this is an energy based thing. Like you said, Hank, I don't know. I really don't know. Super cool. All right. The next one we're going to talk about here. This one's kind of cool. This is our first uh, animated show to make it to the list. And it's, I am Groot. I am Groot. It's uh it's pitched up to be a series of animated shorts uh, with each episode following baby Groot as he grows up in the galaxy, going on adventures with new and unusual characters that will get him into trouble. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in for it as well. Yeah, I mean, be and, fun. And we, we have to keep the kids interested at the same time. We can't, you know, it can't all be heavy uh, snap and have, you know, but daddy, why is everybody dead? It's got to be, it's, you have to keep <laughs> everybody engaged. And, uh, and I see true. a broad spectrum attack and I really like it, actually. With uh, with where we are in the development of that character now, we fully understand that Groot in Guardians 2, confirmed, is not the same character as Guardians 1. That this is actually a... Clipping. Spawn. Yeah, cl- there's a good better word for it. Cl- transplantation? I don't know. Maybe. Is this baby Groot going to be another member of the species or another clipping from the character that we've already come to know? It's possible they do say yeah. there's multiples of them that's true because thor speaks the language technically her stretchy powers are her borrowing mass from herself at other points in her personal timeline it could explain the energy aura that is a fair uh, a fair statement too 
Um, yeah, so Groot, is it going to be? It may be. We don't know. It might be. I think it's a great opportunity, though, for like a lesson-driven show. Uh, Yeah, because I think this one is actually set up to be yeah animated shorts. So what? We're probably sub 10 minutes per? Maybe mm. 10, 15 Yeah, minutes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that takes us up to the next one, which is also a, a related thing. And this one I'm particularly interested in because it is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And I'm just going to preface this by saying that James Gunn has already gone on the record to say that he was a fan of the Star Wars holiday special. So <laughs> I'm kind of curious, like, how big a fan were you, James? Is this really is this going to influence this? <laughs> we're going to resurrect B. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> all we need is a hologram uh, or just a tear in time oh entirely possible um yeah so the the <laughs> still can't get over the b arthur comment oh my god i'm sorry i'm sorry uh okay um what are we talking about here oh yeah guardians the holiday special <laughs> <laughs> The Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So this one, uh, 100% created, written by, directed by James Gunn, is set to air uh, 2022, and it is being filmed concurrently with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, at this point, uh, we're looking at about a 40-minute long special, and it is said to be uh, placed between the events of Thor, Love and Thunder and Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and it would see Groot return home to Planet X. So that's interesting. I mean, I'm not a fan of the new, I still say the new Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that's not true anymore. Um, but I'm not particularly a fan of this iteration of Guardians in the comic book. So I don't know anything about Planet X. And I've said it before. I mean, the MCU is my window into Marvel now. It's it's my default Marvel. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. That would be cool, yeah. All we need to see is him and Zach doing another zombie movie. Funny you should say zombies, Mark. We've got that's coming up on our list here shortly. All right, so that's uh, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy thing, and then we get, as we just finished, we're getting a second season of What If. Nice. So, What If uh, season two just announced. There really are uh, no details to this yet, but it's uh, probably fair to say that the storytelling is going to mirror what we got in season one. Um, I mean, what did we get? We got how many episodes were there? Eight? There was supposed to be eight? nine, but we only yes. got eight. Do you think we'll get that ninth one? That they? I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah, that's the rumor. Yeah. Do you think that they are going to stick with the pre-existing MCU stuff that we've already seen and riff on that? Do you think we'll get anything original or maybe even comic-inspired? Possibly. Could maybe. be a good way to introduce stuff. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I really like <laughs> good the comment here from Eric Draxaclaus. <laughs> I really like the the uh the format of the uh, first sort of seven of them. Uh so I I hope we you know, uh, hopefully it's not like uh formulaic where we get um the the watcher builds another team to save the Right, right. Oh, we seem to have uh had a freeze there for a second. Yep, he's chopping up on us. Yep funny situations right right all right we lost you there for a second but uh you seem to be pretty stable now okay you want to just go through what you were just talking about in the last uh, 40 seconds oh yeah sure uh uh, if i can remember just basically uh i can't remember (laughs) let's move forward (laughs) i can't remember 
All right. This one brings us to something. Now, Andy, you didn't really know much about this, and I, I didn't either. I had to do a lot of, uh, a lot of reading on this one. We're going to get a show called Echo. And uh, I, I think a lot of people were kind of going, what the hell is this? Uh, but the more I read up on it, the more I'm, uh, I'm sold on this one. I think it's actually kind of cool. Uh, if you're not familiar with Echo, Echo is a character by the name of Maya Lopez. Uh, and she's a, a member of the Cheyenne Nation. And she's uh, deaf. She also happens to be the adopted daughter of Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin. Now, her powers are said to be similar in nature to that of the Taskmaster in that she can mimic other people's movements perfectly and through a series of watching tapes goes on to pick up Daredevil's acrobatic ability and Bullseye's aim. But because she is a deaf character, she is particularly vulnerable in the dark. Now, there's another thing with this character that I read in that in an alternate timeline, she's also one of the physical embodiments of the Phoenix Force. So, you know, depending on how they want to go with this, I mean, there is plenty of room here for uh, uh, lower level Daredevil characters to come in all the way up to high level X-Men characters. So I'm pretty interested to see how they're going to handle this. All right. So that is a a prime opportunity to get. uh, Oh, what's name back is Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. I think that there is a, 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 myself included, would love to see Vincent D'Onofrio come back as the Kingpin. Yeah. What's really cool about this is, uh, and I'm going to go, I'm going to touch on diversity again. Um, The young lady who's been tapped to play this character is a lady by the name of Alakwa Cox. And what's really cool is that she is a member of the Menominee and the Mohican Nation, and she was born deaf. So we have uh, a native North American deaf actor playing uh, a native North American deaf character. And I mean, that to me, it's like kudos to you, Marvel, for doing that, because I think that's fantastic. Um, And the cool thing about this is uh, we're actually going to get a sneak peek of this character sooner than you think, because she's going to be debuting in Hawkeye Hmm. and uh, her show will spin out of that. Very cool. Oh, we lost Hank again. Oh, and you're back. <laughs> you're there. You're not there. You're there. You're not there. <laughs> Did you catch everything I just said? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that's, uh, that is echo. Um, and then that brings us back to another one we just wrapped on. And we, we talked about this one extensively. We covered this in a previous uh, review series. We're going to get a second season of Loki. And on the variants. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I am super excited to see where this is going to go. Cause I mean, uh, we don't know where he is. He doesn't know where he is. Nobody knows who he is. And, uh, it seems pretty grim for him at the moment. Just watched uh, John on major Netflix Western, um, a sort of an all black Western, uh, called the harder they fall. And I can't okay. wait to watch him as Kang the conqueror. He's, he's, oh, uh, yeah, right. he is an outstanding, uh, actor. Uh, outstanding. So right now, uh, again, just announced there's really no details on the show other than it's happening. Um, so, I mean, we could go anywhere with this one. Anybody want to, anybody want to throw some uh, speculation out there? I think we're probably going to get a couple, 
couple movies first and then that like they'll you know another wave of movies before the show airs sort of next year the year after so it'll we it'll do that same thing where it'll weave right right <laughs> spider-man with daredevil with wilson fisk with madam webb with morbius <laughs> i'll watch it I, hey man yeah all right now i feel compelled at this point i mean you guys have not seen maximum carnage yet not no uh, let there be not maximum carnage that's a video game let there be carnage yet i have not not yet oh, how long do i gotta wait before i can talk about this thing forever <laughs> till, it, till it streams till okay it streams well somewhere. uh this this particular comment here uh the the morbius thing and it's just not that far off the mark i mean like there is ample opportunity let me just say this um when when tom holland came out and uh he got i mean we know what tom holland is the uh is the uh, loose lips that sink the proverbial ship but he's also kind of the glue that held uh, held it all together i mean they came out and said that you know the 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 sony marvel thing really kind of he just said like why can't we do that let's just do it let's just get along and it was th something that simple and all i will say is that from what's been going on in the mcu and over in the sony the new Spider-Man universe, I will just say that whatever it is that they agreed to to play nice, they are continuing to play nice and will be continuing to play nice in the future. They have nothing to lose playing nice. Absolutely not. Everything to lose by splitting it up. Well, and we as fans have everything to gain with the uh, the last two major, major, major hints that they just dropped. Uh, obviously one in, in Carnage and another one at the end of Eternals. So... Mm. So excited, but stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, nothing really not that we know of for Loki yet. And then of course that brings us right back down to uh, X-Men 97, which we kind of gushed on already. Oh, uh, what is there that we haven't said about it already? Um, short of, you know, I just went, like I said, I went back and I rewatched the, the last uh, five or six episodes today. And, uh, you know, I had a little, some uh, nostalgia kind of moments for me there. Some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. I mean, uh, it was made in 97 and it was made for a particular audience back then. And and I, again, one of those properties where I think maybe some, in some level, the nostalgia is maybe greater than the actual product itself. But the idea of, uh, of, a, of a, a, con a continuation of that, that is updated for today's audiences mm. in that visual style. That's where I think it's going to be very successful. Yeah. Did they not just Hasbro Pulse? Did they not just announce a animated style Wolverine figure? Uh, they did. Yeah, as a matter of they did. Uh, Red. I don't know. The Sony Marvel thing reeks of parents holding off divorce for the sake of the children. Yeah, and uh, us uh, infinite Marvel fans are definitely the children. Yeah, <laughs> do it for the children. Well, I mean that's okay. I mean we know that it's not going to last forever. I mean Sony, there's no chance that Sony's ever going to relinquish anything that is potentially going to give them a slice of that Marvel pie. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it is in their best interest to continue to play nicely, where you know they can distribute their stuff. Or best thing about Marvel divorced stuff. parents is double Christmas. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. We tried that with Fox and. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work not so yeah not as well okay so after x-men here we go we're going on to uh this one we're getting iron heart now this is a relatively newer character is it not yep riri williams yeah so iron heart based on the uh the riri williams character 
who will make her debut apparently in uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, and will be played by Dominique Thorne, uh, who, if you haven't, uh, if you're not aware, was just in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So uh, a little primer here for the character, because I really didn't know anything about her. But uh, Riri Williams is a 15 year old super genius who creates a suit of armor similar to the Iron Man suit. But she used stolen material from the university that she was attending. And when campus security come knocking, Riri flees with the suit while preventing a prison break. Her suit is damaged and she returns home where she continues to improve the suit. Tony Stark learns of her achievements and endorses Riri's decision to become a superhero. So I've, what do I we think a, about that? I, I'm, I'm interested. It's a neat character. I, I have a problem with her in the Marvel universe and the way she was brought in. Uh, and again, I try not to have any weird problems that aren't, you know, what, what they did was they introduced her in the first panel of the first comic she was ever in. They were like, this is yep. the smartest person in the Marvel universe. Oh, and I there's thought, a lot of smart people in the MCU. There are a lot of smart universe, people in the universe. And a lot of them are just, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just, okay, uh, let's show a picture of a, a guy with a sword and then just say, this is the deadliest guy to ever hold a sword. Okay, I believe right. you, but that's very boring to me. So show <laughs> us. Show us yeah, her show me why the smartest person show me in the Because Reed Richards, that, that was built up over decades and decades and decades. Right, right. So it almost takes away from how cool a character she is by putting that blanket on her panel one. And that's the only problem I have with the character. Other than that, great character, smartest person in the Marvel Universe. I think it's a, you know, and I didn't know that. I I mean, I just read 15-year-old super genius and I go, well, that's cool. But even that that trope, we've already seen that with um, Amadeus Cho. Cho. Yeah, the young... uh, What's it? The, 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 the totally yeah. rad Hulk or whatever it yeah, is. Totally yeah. awesome. Totally. And awesome what's that Hulk, other yeah. guy? Um, uh, oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That guy, the guy we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yeah. 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 So you know what? It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm interested to see what that looks like. Uh, particularly what is interesting for me is, uh, Oh, we've got a, a watcher on, uh, another Twitch, uh, watcher, that guy. I'm not sure who that guy is, but, Love to know a little bit more about what you're getting at. You know, Peter Parker. That oh, that guy. guy. Yes, the that other guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Hey, guys. Hello to you, too, Twitch watcher. Oh, it's Mark. Mark has moved over to Twitch. <laughs> Mark has, has, followed, has been watching the show on at least three platforms tonight. <laughs> ah, boy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, particularly what's interesting for me is, and I know that this has been a criticism of, of, uh, of the MCU uh, as of late is how much of, of what's spun out of, of Iron Man, how much is dependent on like, will Spider-Man ever get out of Tony Stark's shadow? You know, like it's, it's that same, that same thing. So, I mean, will there be a reprisal from Robert Downey Jr. uh, in this? Uh, Is it going to be set pre post blip? You might see uh, some sort of uh, force ghost or sort of, uh, automated the recordings. Tony Stark AI, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You you might well see that, but they laid out pretty implicitly in the last Spider-Man movie that, uh, and even in Ed Game that uh, Spider-Man is he was he was meant to be the best of us, and he's the yeah, leader of yeah, the yeah, Avengers yeah. now, whether he likes it or not, and and he is the keeper of Tony's legacy in terms of the the glasses and the AI and and all his 
his gear and his tech. He's the spiritual successor yeah. to Iron Man, which right, as a right. purist, I like, I prefer him uh, grittier and stripped down a little more. But if we're going that direction. Living in Aunt May's house with yeah, a secret I, lab in the walls. I, I think the moment Tony dies, uh, Peter steps out of his shadow. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. I mean, technically, if you're going by the comics, Iron Man was in, to- or in Spider-Man's shadow long before. Well, this is it. Yes, it's very, that's yeah. true. This, yes, yes. But I mean, the big the big bank, right? Yeah. Iron Man came out and was this like crazy hit. And so everything kind of spun out of that. And so, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't avoid that Iron Man had to be the sort of the central character of everything. It's who you started with. Yeah. And I mean, that I think that's part of the criticism of, of the, the current state of the MCU. Uh, I wouldn't say the current state, but what we just saw recently with the two Spider-Man movies is that this was still, you know, these, all the villains, they were all fallout from Tony Stark, you know? And, I, and again, I mean, that doesn't mean that they were bad movies. It just means that like, Oh, the, the echo of Tony can still be felt you know, uh, later on post post death. And I mean, and we're going to get into that a little bit more with some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I'm just really curious to know how, like how that the absence or the presence of Tony Stark is going to influence or not influence uh, Ironheart. But speaking of that guy, uh, that's the next one we're getting is uh, Spider-Man freshman year. And uh, freshman year is uh, billed as an animated series exploring Peter Parker's origin and early days using the Spider-Man persona in the MCU. Cool. In a visual style that celebrates and pays homage to the early Spider-Man comics. And we got a second shot here of that logo as they tore off the corner and and we get a shot of, well, that must be a young Peter. And uh, what's this Marvel? You will find that Marvel will lose stocks. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some truth in that. Uh, did anybody else uh, see that that shot of Peter and automatically have a flashback to uh, Spider-Man 1967? Ditko. It, it reminds me of the Ditko yeah. comments, man. Yeah. I, uh, I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's uh, – I mean, the backpack is kind of modern looking, but, I mean, he, he looks like he stepped right out of the 60s TV show. Oh, we lost Hank. Maybe he'll join us a, a little bit later there. Oh, the technology that continues to plague us. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Dicko, isn't yeah. there something right now going on with his estate and Sony as there's uh, some sort of lawsuit there's going a, on? There's a, oh, there's a, it's with Ditko as a family and the estate and that there's an argument that uh, anything that was payable to him is not payable to the estate. And hmm. it's very con- convoluted and I don't know the details of it. I think we've, we've touched on that once before. Yeah. If we didn't talk about it on the show, I know we talked about it all offline, but uh well the amount of legal troubles between, you know Right, right, right. Or legal Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bridge work between Sony and Marvel. We don't need extra. No, no. And then, you know, yeah. Support him. Oh, he's back. Hello again. What's going on? I figured you'd jump your you'd jump back in there when oh, you yeah. could. Oh, that's fair enough. I, I think happened. it's a kind of old hat. It's old hat now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, gotta, you just bounce in out whenever you want to. I'm fast at it now. <laughs> I'm saving All the right, world. So we're, we, thank you. Um, we were just talking about Spider-Man freshman year, and uh, we are talking about the Ditko, uh, the Ditko lawsuit uh, with Marvel Comics, and uh, I don't remember. Do you, do you have any details on that, where that's at right now? I, I, I don't, actually. I... Uh, Maybe because there hasn't been much press, maybe it's gone away without much fanfare. Certainly, 
I don't think people should hold what doesn't belong to them hostage. At the same yeah. time, this company makes oodles of money and probably could shut them up for a reasonable fee. Um, you know, I, you got guys like Larry Hama who are still very active. Uh, you know, they're still working uh, somewhat and they're, they're active in their fan communities and they talk about working at Marvel in the bullpen. And I mean, that's really what it was. Like you were hired, you were, you were paid for a product and, and you didn't own your work. Right. You know, uh, Marvel owned it. So, I mean, is there, I mean, clearly the family at the estate of Ditko feel that there is some legal merit to, to getting paid for it, but well, Ditko's only been gone. Illegal. Ditko's only been gone for about two years now, and um, I, I, in this particular instance, I would have think if if Mr. Ditko had a problem with it, he would have spoke up about it. Uh, I but mean, he, he was, was so prevalent. He was very well aligned with Marvel Comics. They, they, yeah, uh, everything yeah. I ever saw—interviews, artist signings, things like that—he he never had a bad word to say about anybody. Uh, and I know that him and Stan Lee didn't even meet see eye to eye after a certain point in time, but yep. never had yep. an ill word to say about one another. And so I, I, I feel like it's, it's a, a almost a me too kind of scenario where they're oh, just yeah. trying to cash yeah, in yeah. on, uh, on a commodity. Unfortunately, Fair enough. um, but if, if the, if Disney wants to throw a, a million dollars at the guys and certainly they can afford it, um, Mark says, I think they are looking after certain characters. They'd be stupid not to. They'd be stupid not to. And if that means a little bit of money, uh, you know, you're going to make $10 billion off Spider-Man in the next five years. A million dollars is nothing uh, to placate someone. As Mark says, uh, Stan Lee made Spidey. That's true. He did. Um, Co-created. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, the rabbit hole goes deep. Yes, uh, Stan Lee absolutely 100% came up with the name Peter Parker. He came up with the idea of a guy who got bit by a radioactive spider and that he was an awkward yep. high school student and he wasn't, yep. he had normal problems and, and, and absolutely those were his ideas. But at the end of the day, Steve Ditko went home and he took those ideas and he made that iconic, that thing. We don't, we don't, yep. we don't look at Spider-Man and go, Oh, there's Peter Parker and oh, he's got web shooters and oh, he's a downtrodden teenager. And what we do is we go, we look at that costume. We go, that's the most there's iconic Spider-Man. superhero ever created yeah, yeah, yeah. ever. Yeah. That and was, then so, that was Steve Mark, Ditko. The, the follow-up comment, and this one, we've talked about this before, and I totally agree with it. Uh, the, the Marvel bankruptcy or the near bankruptcy of the 90s. Yeah. It, Mark, you're absolutely right. We know that uh, only through the sale or the licensing of these characters out to the film studios did it save the company. And and you talk about not wanting to see the comic industry fold on itself. I mean, that was a major move that, that uh-huh. likely saved it at the well, time. Most people don't know. Before Disney owned Marvel, they were owned by the the uh, Revlon, the the cosmetics company. <laughs> uh, yeah, owned yeah, by yeah, Revlon. Yeah, it's pretty funny when you do deep dives on uh, on the ownership and the history of 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 uh, intellectual property. I've had this discussion before. Where we're talking about Masters of the Universe, and like at one time, at one time, Masters of the Universe as a brand was owned by Hallmark before Hallmark actually got sold. So just really strange uh, goings ons there in the corporate world. Well, at one and, point they owned Rainbow Bright, didn't, didn't they? Uh, who uh, Hallmark? Yeah, yeah. They, oh yeah. If they, not, they still own her. Uh, Rainbow Bright. Uh, yeah, wasn't that long ago that they were putting out Rainbow Bright? Still making Rainbow Bright dolls, yeah, yeah. sprites and right horses. And... So that's uh that's our look at uh at Spider Man Freshman Year Two. So that's the other big animated offering that was uh, discussed 
that's coming up here now. No length, uh, no uh, word on the length of the series, how many episodes it's going to run for. But if it's going over the origin in the MCU, I can't see them not touching on Uncle Ben again. <laughs> Who is this guy that he knows that? <laughs> I love the humor. Thank you. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> no, not here. Okay, next uh, next up on the list of things we want to talk about. This one is kind of cool. I think there was some rumblings of this a little while ago. I, I don't think this was a big shocker. Uh, Agatha House of Harkness. This one is uh, getting uh, its build as a dark comedy spinoff of WandaVision with Catherine Hahn set to return to reprise her role as Agatha Harkness, along with uh, Jack Schaefer, who will also be returning as a writer and executive producer. Yeah, she could so, be literally every show ever made, and I wouldn't get tired of her. Uh, Catherine Hahn. Oh, yeah. Or the Agatha Harkness character. Well, you, you, or either, either or. Either, <laughs> either or. Either or. It's just a it's a beautiful uh, thing to watch her go over the top like that. Fantastic. Wanda, question mark. Yeah, so not sure how Wanda's going to fit into this one. We don't know where this is going to be set. Well, it all depends on where she lands at the end of Doctor well, Strange, too. Here we go, right? I mean, uh, is this... We know the last time we saw Agatha, she was uh, imprisoned within her own, uh, in her own house. Yep. So uh, whether that's a construct of, of her her own mind or or what that is, I mean, uh, simply, I mean, th- there's been enough visual cues. We talked about this in the What If review series where uh, uh, Darkter Strange used the, had the same visual signature when he was absorbing the essence of those creatures, the same magical signature that Agatha had used. So, I mean, uh, they're really dipping into that. How they're going to bring her back for this? I don't know. Will she escape her prison? Will this be... Uh, Maybe know, it's uh, quite literal in that she's stuck in the House of Harkness and she's just going to revisit or... Well, there's know. the thing, right? I mean, uh, uh, Wanda's essentially trapped her in in the Pleasantville world uh, of the first episode of WandaVision. And, and will it be a black and white uh, uh, dark sitcom? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Certainly exploring the you know, we origins. Like, uh, you know, it's not something yeah. we've clubbed over the head with a thousand movies and cartoon shows. So we could uh, dip in at a time and explore. Uh, she's a thousand years old, right? Yeah. yeah Brad says, I want to exactly. see her across time, like the witch trials, wartime, in the house afterwards, all of it. Yep. I and agree. that would yeah, actually yeah. work really well with her just sitting there talking to the camera while she's stuck in her house. Yeah. Yeah. Like this time in 1842 when I had to do this. Yeah, exactly. It could totally be something like that. Um, but again, we don't really know a lot about it. Uh, and I don't even know, I don't even know where this one fits into the, to the, the sequence of uh, what phase it's in, to be honest. Mm. Presumably it's going to be part. I, I just presume from everything I read uh, leading up to the show tonight was that everything that we're talking about somewhere phase four something somehow it'll fit in i think so uh and that brings us up to maybe the one that i might be oh man this might actually be the the thing i'm most excited for uh and that's armor wars i know i just like dissed on tony stark but again (laughs) echo yeah i know uh so armor wars james rhodes must confront one of tony's greatest fears when Stark tech falls into the wrong hands, the death of Tony Stark will have an influence on the series and Don Cheadle will be back as, uh, as Colonel James Rhodes. So yeah, armor wars is coming up. And uh, I know that, uh, that was a, I don't know what, when did they do the armor wars in the, in the comics? It was in the eighties. It was in the eighties. It was, yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Without, I mean, it's, it's, it'll be different though with, 
with Rhodey leading the charge and, and not having Tony out there to, to do it. But I mean, you know, I mean the, the idea, and I mean, uh, Rhodey in uh, what Iron Man, when he had to take the, the, the prototype suit and it's like, he, he was torn between that whole, you know, the, I'm a soldier and I got to do what I'm told to do. And you got to turn it over versus, you know, I have to honor my friend. Mm-hmm. But they've come that those two characters have come so far that his friend was in a bad state and is like, okay, I'm taking it off you. And there's a purpose to it. Well, look at what happened in the what if episode where uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross basically enacted the, uh, the Patriot Act and told Pepper, you work for me now. Yeah. You know, is this a, could there be a case of this creeping into it where the, the, you know, the government is more and more encroaching on that and it's no longer we're proprietary or not we're taking it and roadie takes a stand against his own government is that something that we could be looking at could be certainly i I, I, I would lean back into the comics the best thing about those comics was the 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 third and sort of even tertiary and if there's a deeper level to low level villains uh tony literally went after everybody that even had this the micronist piece of his tech uh, he yeah. went after the Prowler for his, you know, he went after Shocker for his sonic weapons. He went after Scorpion. He went after everybody you can think of in the MCU that might have, de- de- you know, Beetle uh, just derived yeah. their yeah, tech yeah. from his. And so we're, uh, I really hope it's a showcase for uh, those really low powered, but super costumed villains. You know what I mean? Like right, the, the, right, the reason right. we went through the Marvel Universe uh, the guide because the, just the ridiculous three color villains. Oh my gosh. You know, yes. That, you yes. Know, right. So that, that could be perfect. A veritable rainbow just, villains. Right. And just, just <laughs> yeah, knocking them yeah. off a list, you know, dozens of them. You could oh, absolutely could be a lot have of fun. a great time there. I think that could be a lot of fun. I got one comment there. That's which I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with here uh, from red Swenson. Oh, sorry. Uh, Oh, crimson dynamo. Yes, yeah. please. They name dropped him. Yes, they in did. Black uh, in black. Widow. Yeah. 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 So, not a far stretch to see him popping up. Oh, you know, that's funny. You should say that because there was a, there was a black widow reference in something else and I missed it. Uh, one of the series, I got to go back here for a second. It might even be Hawkeye. Um, just, where'd I put it here? Yeah. Uh, in Hawkeye, Florence Pugh is coming back as uh, Yelena Belova. Mm. So, uh, they're not done with that organization yet either. We've seen the alternate, the uh, the alternate uh, post credit scene from Black Widow where she lives. I have not. Yeah, they they shot a they shot her living. Oh, really? It's not canon, but yeah, it's definitely out there. I'd be interested to see what that looks like. To be honest, that Mm -hmm. sounds really cool. Okay, next uh, up on the list here, she goes home. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, she just goes home, and there's a bunch of kids playing avengers in the streets like they're wearing capes and they're oh, flying wow. at each other yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and one of them recognizes sure. her and runs up to her because she's super famous and then yeah. uh yeah and it's just that's the she has this moment with these children that are playing a game uh that uh, basically the whole game she's been playing her whole life in, in, in real life it's it's kind of a nice ending uh but i know that they killed the character off i, yeah, I believe yeah, that yeah. they didn't know that was her trajectory for endgame when they originally wrote the script anyways because it was supposed to appear before definitely before yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I would agree with that. I mean, the, the biggest complaint I think I had w- with Black Widow is the same complaint that I had with Captain Marvel. The movie is good; it's just poorly timed. <laughs> mm. If it had if it had shown up earlier in the in the sequence of films, I'd have been a lot a lot better with it. 
Yeah, Captain um, Marvel has some rewatchability. I went back and I've watched it a few totally times. Totally does. Yeah, it's actually a really, really well crafted movie. Yeah, we we just rewatched it recently as well, and I think it actually makes more sense if you're a new viewer to throw Captain Marvel into the uh, the chronological order. Yeah, uh, and then not see her again until Endgame, which makes right. her return so much more yeah. impactful, right? And she is yeah. second. Yeah, she yeah. is the second movie after Captain America. Chronological. That's right. Yeah. 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 So talking about what's going on in Captain Marvel, that's a great segue to where we're going next, because the next big announcement that came out was another live action series, and it's going to be Secret Invasion. Hmm. So um, not sure how they're going to handle this, because the the premise, as it's laid out right now, says that a sect of shape-shifting aliens known as the Skrulls have infiltrated all aspects of life on Earth. Uh, with Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn both reprising their roles as uh, Nick Fury and Talos, respectively. So now, it's interesting uh, that they're going to do this in a TV show because I thought this might have been the next big the wave. Next film? Big well, film? the next yeah, the yeah. next big uh, arc for all of the films. Like um, in the comics, it was the next big thing after um, uh, Civil War. Caleb Richardson, uh, hey, Disney and Marvel separated a while ago. After Spider-Man No Way Home, I totally expected a shared uh, shared custody situation. Marvel gets Spider-Man in TV. Sony gets them in the movies. That's an interesting thought. So that gets into sort of the legal aspects of what rights were sold. Um, because if it was just the film rights, then then the Marvel has you know every right to make an animated series. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, does yeah. film rights equal TV rights? I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't know. It's not the first Marvel. More, it's yeah. not the first Disney Marvel Super Spider Man cartoon either. There was, no, I was going to say. I mean, there, we've there had how many Spider Man animated series? Spectacular Spider Man was a Disney product. Two thousand fifteen. I was going to say that that last one, yeah, and it was by great. all accounts. I thought it was very good. It was, yeah, it was great. Really good. <laughs> yeah. Spider Man Unlimited came after that, I believe. Unlimited, uh, where he teamed up with uh, what uh, Nova and. Uh, the the oh, girl uh, the white the white um, oh white tiger white yeah, tiger yeah, yeah. yeah you're right yeah you're right. Um, yeah and I think I think when you get down to the brass tacks I think that it's uh, film rights it's distribution rights so Sony can can make uh, films all day long as long as uh, Disney distributes them for Sony I I think that yep. the money yep. just stays in camp right I believe right. that's the way it yeah, should work. Right. With uh, the Secret Invasion, Kevin Feige has actually described uh, the show as being a showcase for Jackson and Mendelssohn that would explore the political paranoia elements of the Secret Invasion comic series. Uh, and quote, that was great with the twists and turns that that took, unquote. Yeah, Spy versus so, Spy. Yeah, I mean, I never read Secret Invasion, so again, yeah, it was all right. You know, this idea that everybody uh, and it, what Secret Invasion wasn't too far after uh, the Civil War event. right? No, it so, was their next big event. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like you say, as a big event and and then in the context with what Kevin Feige is saying, the, the paranoia, you know, like nobody is safe. You know, it, it's almost like remember the movie They Live where it's like, put the glasses on. Right. Right. Put right. the glasses on. Roddy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Every, it turned out everybody was a scroll except Wolverine. Everybody was a scroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Are we going to go that deep with it? I don't know. Well, it is a good uh, platform if they want to relaunch certain characters like 
Maybe. Oh, yeah, this one's gone because it was a scroll. Oh, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they could easily, yeah, the Tony Stark that died was a scroll. Yeah. Um, and we did, in, the, in that sizzle reel, we did get a, a this shot of, of Sam Jackson, which I just, I threw it in here with Secret Invasion because I just assumed that that's where that is. But, I mean, the, the Nick Fury character has been known to turn up across multiple properties. So Nearly who knows for sure where this falls? Yeah. And how long until this particular screenshot gets turned into a Mace Windu? <laughs> yeah, if it isn't already. <laughs> Bring back David uh, Hasselhoff. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't. No, don't. All right. Next one up. And I don't know. I mean, we talked about this. I mean, you covered this episode, Andy, didn't you? The uh, In What If? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Marvel Zombies, uh, which has had its own comic series, multiple, uh, multiple comic series, is getting a TV series and uh another uh, animated series this one is going to focus on a new generation of heroes battling zombies and it is based on the reality that was first introduced in the fifth episode of what if wow so, so i guess that means dr strange put the zombies back <laughs> i don't know he just opened that hole and let them fall out well i mean didn't really maybe he didn't let all home. the zombies out maybe it was just a hand maybe yeah yeah interesting premise uh I, I thought, yeah, this would be fun to watch as long as it's outside, like we talked about this before, as long as it doesn't have bigger repercussions for the rest of the MCU. Uh, I'm on board. Yep. Yeah, me too. Uh, Caleb's got a follow-up. Marvel has uh, TV rights for live action and animation under 30 minutes. Sony owns film rights for live action animation and TV rights for animation longer than 30 minutes. Hmm. That's go. a pretty uh, That's a pretty important distinction to make, though. I mean, a 30-minute TV show is still... Well, a 22 minute TV show. Right? Yeah. So, but, but streaming changes that mm-hmm. because now, well, I'll watch three all episodes these... and you've watched it for an hour and a half and that's your, your there's your movie. You could do it in three part movies. Yeah. If my, if so, I mean, if my rights are like, I can make anything under 30 minutes, you don't think that I'm going to make six 29 minute episodes. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like serialize this Spider-Man. Let, like, let's face it. These, every single comic book is serialized. And and yep. everything would work as a half hour TV show. Every single title would. would work that way. Yeah, of course it would. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we we both know, we all know how much you can squeeze into a, a twenty two minute uh, uh, serialized. <laughs> you write it like uh, an animated series. Television. You absolutely yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, when they sold off the rights way back during yeah. the almost Marvel collapse, yeah. like they came up with those terms in an era where streaming was nothing. There was no streaming. You can bet no. that uh, future uh, current legal deals or anything like that has to account for streaming. Oh, it's it going to be down to the letter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the, the amount of stuff that we don't know that goes on behind the scenes, like to be a, an IP lawyer right now for one of oh. these big companies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I'm, only I'm, imagine I'm negotiating with a guy uh, for a feature on my album and it's, it's, it's about, it gets tricky with uh, streaming rights. And, and since I'm nobody and he's somebody, I'm willing to give him everything, I think, just to get the deal done. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, apparently, we have a viewer out in Saskatchewan with us tonight. Cool, oh, man. Hi, Aunt Evelyn. Oh. Do we need to throw a shout out to somebody? Hi, Aunt Evelyn. Oh, hello, Aunt Evelyn. Thanks for joining the show. Hope you're enjoying it. Right. So, um, talking about Secret Invasion here uh, as a as a TV series. Uh, again, it's very preliminary. There's really not a lot going on, but if, if this, if this scene is from secret invasion, then there's much more uh, already in the can than they're telling us. So well, who, who knows? knows? Who they knows? Could have been shooting scenes here and there. Could they have been f- filming stuff 
right on the back end of uh, of Captain Marvel. Uh, well, if James Gunn is filming stuff right on the back of Guardians Three, why not? You have a lot of people there. You might as well yeah, just yeah. run with it. Talking about the legal stuff, uh, the only reason you haven't seen Tom Holland move to Disney Plus is that Sony probably put a non-compete clause in his contract should he ever leave Spider-Man, that he can't jump ship and leave Sony high and dry. Yeah, that seems like a that doesn't seem unreasonable to me from the perspective of the employer. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, uh, you know, if Disney wanted him bad enough, you know, and I've it's probably different cause we're talking a, at a much higher financial penalty, but I've, I've talked to, I've, I've lived beside a guy who was a, a plumber a gas fitter worked for a major uh, medical gas company. And they basically did the same thing. You can't, there's a no compete clause and the company that wanted him to work for them said, whatever it is, we'll pay it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so if Disney really wanted an actor, do you think that they would, do you think that they would go to bat for them that way? Yeah, you know, um, Sony's got a non-compete. We'll just pay it. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> in the pre-Black Widow era. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah. a Black Widow lawsuit, maybe well, not so much. maybe not anymore, yeah. That's a good point, too. All right, we got... Uh, uh, wait a minute, what do we got here? Okay, so that is it. That is, with Marvel Zombies, that is the uh, the wrap on all of the Marvel news. My God, there was a lot there. Oh, my God. Um we're going to shift gears here for a second and we're going to dip into uh, some more familiar territory. And that's, uh, we're going to head over to, uh, what am I talking about? What am I doing here? We're going to talk about, dun, dun, dun. Uh, don't know about you guys, but in the star Wars department, uh, I really felt like things were a little thin and I'm not going to lie. I too was a little disappointed. Well, they did <laughs> give us a whole lot last year. Uh, like that is true. That, that is true. Tied us over. So we're still seeing that roll out. Well, that's, that's true. And before we get into this, I do want to say that we still have uh D 23, the big expo is still coming up and the 2021 Disney investor day uh, stuff is coming. So, I mean, that could yield some more stuff, but that being said, the Obi-Wan teaser we got is the one they showed at last year's investor day. So who knows? I guess the biggest thing that we got uh, for Star Wars was uh, Under the Helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett, the little featurette. Um, did you guys watch it? Not yet. You haven't watched it? Okay. I watched it. Um, Hank, uh, as, a, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, um, did you find that there was anything in there mind-blowing? Not mind-blowing. Um, it was no. nice to see it all in uh, chronological order, kind of. Uh, yeah, know, I definitely. I've seen a lot of that, that imagery um sort of in this separate places so it was, it was, was nice to have everything compiled thing, for yeah. me um and i think there might have been some new um you know a more extended footage of certain things um uh you know not a terrible lot of stuff that i think maybe the interview with lucas looked relatively new he looked quite old in it yeah that uh, yeah, just a few snippets certain to, um certain to sound like his teeth were loose not any new information, just, just, uh, just a nice homage to the character. And, uh, it was nice to see, uh, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan and the, so I, uh, that's what I was going to touch on, you know, how, the how, why things. the character is such a big character. Why, like why, um, the myth got started the way it did and, and all the controversy with the toy and then the, 
and the, and the fact that, yeah. you know, George yeah. Lucas wanted an army of them, but couldn't afford it. And then all these little stories that you, you hear when you're a kid or when you're a young adult and you piece them all together, but it was nice to have it laid out in a little sort of concise documentary. Yeah. I, I think for anybody who is, and I'm not, I'm not going to say, it's going to say casual fan, but that's not the right word. Anybody who's for, I should say just for a fan, for a fan who is not as uh, up to speed or isn't as versed in the character uh, as somebody like you or I, who has been, who consumes this, like it's a religion. Um, this is a great little package deal where you can see the evolution and history of this character, as you say, in one place in a concise, neat little package. And I thought it was really well put together. Yeah. Certainly for me, the highlight of it, again, like you say, uh, the, the section with Steve Sansweet. Now I've, I've seen other stuff with him before. So any chance I get to see the inside of Rancho Obi-Wan is a, is a visual treat. And I loved, I loved that aspect. And then I really liked the, the segment with Daniel Logan with an adult Daniel Logan sitting down and he's like, he's like, uh, I guess I'm going to be your dad. Well, you just call me dad and I'll call you son. He's like, (laughs) okay, dad. Okay, son. And then they cut to the the piece from attack of the clones. No, fantastic. Um, and for the fans of our show, I mean, uh, for the the uninitiated, I did put in a couple of clips here. So, like, these are some pretty cool things, like Ben Burt revealing uh, Boba Fett in a in a screen test, the original white armor version of Boba Fett when he was still envisioned <laughs> as a as a as a super commando, yeah. ultimate stormtrooper kind of deal, mm-hmm. right. which I thought was cool. And then the other one is the uh, the first appearance of Boba Fett from the uh, that parade in 1978. Where yeah. still there are people out there. They tell them that, and they still do. No, that's not right. And like, no, no, for real. First appearance of Boba Fett pre-holiday special, pre-Empire Strikes Back. This is George the very Lucas's first time hometown. Character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it Mar- Marin County, California? Yeah. Exactly. Um, first time ever seen in public, and with a different blaster because they decided that they wanted to change uh, change his weapon for that. But yeah, so that was the that was the big Boba Fett featurette. What do we got going on here? So Caleb, what I'm hearing is that given they'd only be showing two shows and maybe one announcing, uh, maybe announcing one show, Lucasfilm decided just to pull out of the event. Hmm. Well, that's really disappointing. Like super, super disappointing. They didn't want Marvel just overshadowing star Wars. So they've moved star Wars reveals to a future event. See now that I would believe now, uh, has there been any, I mean, in the pandemic world, When's the last time you heard any news for Star Wars Celebration? Mm. I heard there's is something there any, big planned for May, right? Is that like a live event? Yeah, I think yeah, it's days, to, yeah, it's supposed to be a big a big return to Celebration kind of action. Yeah. They're starting yeah, to do yeah. it now. Yeah. I kind of hope that uh, Celebration will come to Canada because if it does, I mean, uh, now I'm I'm pretty averse to like really, really big, big, big crowds like that. But for Star Wars, I would make an exception. I, would, I mean, I you know, uh, there needs to be a group of people that could bring something like that to Canada where they so organized and stalwart yeah, yeah. as maybe the three of us. There's no reason <laughs> there can't be that sort of thing on an international level. And it doesn't have to be Star Wars Celebration, certainly, but it could be some kind of crazy fan expo, uh, well-executed, well-organized. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like it doesn't, the market for it doesn't exist. Um, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and I and I don't think we'd be so auspicious as to get all the heroes and the villains and the and the accolades. But certainly, there's you know, uh, like you say, like if it was in France, if it was in Portugal, if it was in Spain, if it was here, 
people would flock yeah. to it and uh, listen to us, yep, yep. their uh, Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> As we like to say, we are fans. We are fans of things. <laughs> and this is a thing that we are big fans of. Uh, all right. So let's get into it here with the Obi-Wan thing. Um, like it or not, it is what we got. Um What's Red saying here? Red, just need a big guy to use as an icebreaker in the crowds. Take it from me. <laughs> yes, Red, and your your years of experience at, um, oh, my God, the, the big technology thing in Texas. I can't think of what it's called, but you're going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's it's uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, Ewan McGregor is back. We also get Hayden Christensen confirmed coming back as Darth Vader. And the marketing for this has been very clear. He's not coming back as Anakin Skywalker. It's Darth Vader. Anything that I've read has said Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. So could they be hiding something, you know, where we're going to get some uh, flashbacks uh, to Anakin Skywalker? Possibly. Probably. Um, we also got Joel Edgerton coming back as Owen Lars and Bonnie Pless as Baru. And as I was checking out the cast list, I pulled just one other name because I thought, if anything, this is a funny one. We're getting Kumail Nanjiani in an undisclosed role, uh, Kamel Nanjiani, who was, uh, uh, he played the, the, the Uber driver in Stuber. He was, uh, King, a funny guy. He was Kingu in Eternals. Mm-hmm. Uh, super, super funny guy. Now it says an undisclosed role, but I'm going to hazard, I'm going to go on the record right now. And I'm going to say that Kamel's role in the Obi-Wan series, he's going to be a droid. Nice. That's my guess. Nice. Mm, droid's always a uh, good cameo role. While I don't like it, I get it. Star Wars is a big brand, but it's just not at the Marvel stage of pumping out four movies and five shows a year. Nope, you're absolutely right, Caleb. I think that, you know, ideally, I think the guys over at uh, at Star Wars who are running the the brand over there, like Filoni and, sorry, John Favreau and, and other folks there, would love to to be at the same level. And, and I think, you know... I think they're doing it maybe in the right way that they're taking their cues from what has worked for Marvel. And, you know, I don't want to say that they're trying to emulate that, but on some level they are trying to emulate that. I mean, with the, the interconnected properties, the story group is finally, as I've and I've criticized the story group heavily over the last year, but seems to be finally getting their, their poop in a scoop as it were, where the, the continuity stuff is maybe a little more superfluous than it has been up till now. So I'm pretty happy about that. But yes, Kumail Nanjiani, I'm going on the record. I think he's going to be a droid because that's what all comedians in Star Wars do, isn't it? <laughs> Looking at you, Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk has gone on the record earlier this year saying that uh, he will not be in season one of uh, Andor. So they haven't met yet. Yeah, so this was a, a, a comment that he'd given back in January saying that they're filming it now. Presumably right. it's filmed. Presumably the filming is done. I was a little bit um, worried about the lack of information on Andor at this. I thought that it was done filming. I thought there something. Done principal photography. I, I didn't think yeah. we were that far along the Obi-Wan road to get a trailer or even a sizzle reel. Um, yeah. But I yeah. thought for sure we were further down the Andor road. Um, uh, and yeah, I, it's yeah. almost disconcerting that, that we haven't gotten anything. I don't know. Maybe they're just maybe, as Caleb was saying, maybe the the guys at Lucasfilm they're just playing their playing the cards just a little bit closer and saving mm-hmm. it up for uh, an event that is worthy of 
the brand. I mean, no, certainly you can't, you can't fault them for not wanting to, for wanting to hold that for like a star Wars centric event. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, I, I'm down for that. Yeah. If they're competing with Marvel, nobody wants to lose. Right? No, you're absolutely right. Everything needs its proper steam going forward. So well, the, this is, the series, you'll notice um, they don't release these films at the same time. They don't release the shows no. at the same time. They, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're crafty. When, when one, when one hand is pulling all the strings, it's going to know what order to pull them in. I, I would assume. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, the series begins with Obi-Wan Kenobi watching over Luke Skywalker on Tatooine, uh, 10 years set after the events of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, and then takes the character on a rollicking adventure. This one is written by Toby Harold, who is uh, the writer for Awake, King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword, and the Netflix movie, the Dave Bautista movie, Army of the Dead. Uh, if you haven't seen that, it's pretty cool. Check it out. And uh, is directed entirely by... Deborah Chow, who mm-hmm. uh, we came to know and love through her work on The Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, Caleb, droid or alien character like Simon Pegg playing Uncar plot in The Force Awakens? Yes, yeah, I agree with that you on that. So, droid or alien? Yeah. Okay. So, like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm Caleb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on the uh, droid side of the coin. You take the, uh, you take the alien side of that, and we'll see who comes out uh, awesome. a winner in the end when the show comes out. All right. So the one thing I did do uh, was I got every piece of concept art that they flashed up there so we can actually go over and have a quick look at it here. We get a shot of uh, of Obi-Wan on the back of an EOP, very mm-hmm. much like we saw him at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And uh, th- that close up of uh, of him, I got to say, remember when we were doing our Star Wars stuff and I said, I really want to see that desert nomad look. Yeah. Mm. And if this doesn't really like lean into that and I cannot, I am super, super happy to see that they're embracing that. Well, it looks like he's sporting a gaffy stick. There's a the gaffy stick hanging off the back, presumably yep. underneath that. That's maybe a, 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 a rifle of some kind, like a, uh, he's learned from the, uh, from the Tuscan Raiders. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Probably not thrown his lightsaber around very often in this. I know? would not like, think so. No, no. I mean, we ha- the big question was how much of an adventure are you going to have on Tatooine? So, I mean, the the big one is you either somebody comes to him or he's got to go somewhere. And I think we're we're going to get both out of that. And uh, the big one, the big rumor that seems to be confirmed through the concept art is we're getting Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, I had me, heard that's that Tatooine the fifth brother the, was cast, and I can't recall who it was. Brother or Asian this appears to be. It appears like this is going to be one of the Female. sisters now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I didn't uh, put a comparison shot in there, but uh, there's some some hubbub on the internet about the design of this ship. Uh, very much like uh, similar to Krennic's shuttle, only like scaled down much smaller. Mm. All right. So one of the other things here, it looks like at least a portion of the show is going to take us back to Coruscant because is that not the Jedi Temple? Mm, looks similar. The architecture looks like the Jedi Temple. Post uh, Revenge of the Sith, you know. Yeah. Stormtroopers are yeah. running rampant. Well, this is it. I mean, somebody's got to use the building. Has anybody uh, in the new canon uh, done any in-depth sort of writing, sort of around what that building was used for post post uh, Order sixty six? No, Whatever no. it is, it looks. <clears throat> I mean, it sure looks important. Mm. All right, and then we're gonna we are gonna get off planet at some point, and there's a couple of off planet shots we get here. Now, this is just a you know cityscape, 
there's some speculation that this might be Ord Mantel uh, based on the color palette. It's very similar looking to the palette that we've seen in the Bad Batch. Really not a whole lot to discern from that, but I mean, okay, we're going to another world that we've never seen. And then here we get another one that's sort of in the same vibe as uh, what I call the uh, lower Coruscant vibe, like you yeah. know when they went into the entertainment district and the casinos and all that. Similar kind of of look to it, right? But at the same time, it does have a similar vibe to uh, Ord Mantel as well, because a few times they've rounded some corners and seen signs and whatnot. Uh, Red says, "Any, I believe that's number any number of Jedi temples across the galaxy." Post Order sixty six mop up. That's entirely possible. I mean, certainly the the Jedi Fallen Order game takes us to uh, some locations that are are Jedi centric that we've never saw before. So there absolutely could be other Jedi temples scattered across the universe. Yeah. So yeah, what do we think about uh, what do we think about this? We think is this Coruscant or somewhere else? Could be anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Looks like the bowels of Coruscant to me. And then the next one was a kind of a flat, like it was a quick flash, a blink and you'll miss it moment where I'm like, wait a minute, we're going to Hoth? But no, that's not Hoth. But those are T-47, uh, Incom T-47 uh, airspeeders. I know we mm-hmm. commonly refer to them as the Rebel Snowspeeder, but uh, T-47 airspeeders. So this does not look to be a cold, frozen world to me. No. I mean. Cave-like this, at the very yeah, least. Yeah, definitely in a in a cave. And a gonky droid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world's most versatile droid. <laughs> what are we looking at here? Do we think this is sort of uh, early, you know, rebellion, uh, or is this just something else? It could be very early rebellion. I mean, like the cave could be technically an ice cave. I guess but, so. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I just don't think until anybody... you see it finally in play. You know, nobody, particular this uh, female up in the foreground, does not look to be dressed well enough for cold. No. So no. I don't think it's a cold uh, environment. I think it's possibly just a, a warmer place. Who knows? And then we uh, dip into uh, what people are calling, uh, or at least I, I've taken to calling it uh, round two. Uh, we're going back to Mustafar at some point, uh, and hopefully we're going to see a lot more of Vader's castle. Mm. Certainly we're getting a couple shots here of the uh, his own personal throne room with his own personal throne. Good chance that's the emperor that he's talking to on that hollow, but uh, could also be an inquisitor. <laughs> could be an inquisitor. He was canonically Vader was responsible for the training of the inquisitors. Or a picture of Padme. You know, I never even considered that, but that's yeah. entirely possible as well. And as he I was saying, lo- he uh, does an awful lot of lamenting about Padme in the comics, men. Like yeah, an, yeah, an yeah. awful lot. He, 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 he really goes hard on trying to discover what the emperor knew about bringing her back and actually goes to her tomb and steals her body with the intent of resurrecting her dead body uh and meets corday her handmaiden and all kinds of stuff has this like psychotic break where he thinks that corday is padme it's really good stuff boys really really good stuff so i'm definitely uh, that being him just pining over padme in that scene is highly highly likely yeah yeah, because I mean, what does a guy do? What does a Sith Lord do in their in their own isolation? Tries to bring himself either, you know? as much pain as possible. That's literally right. how the Emperor teaches him to fuel his power to this connection to the Force is by 
experiencing pain and the armor they get into it in the comics the armor is designed to 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 cause him ext- extreme pain yeah 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 well uh we may get some extreme pain in this scene because it looks like uh obi-wan and vader are going to get another go mm-hmm. uh, go at each other and uh does that not look very similar to the conditions that uh, their first fight on mustafar Yep. Yeah, like I said in the in the, the when we first watched it, uh, I said it looks like Obi's taking the fight to Vader. Sadness, fear, anger, hate. Yes. Yeah, you know, again, so that we talked about the uh um having a an, an Obi-Wan centric show. How do you there's only so much you can do when you're looking over baby Luke. So I mean, what forces him to go off planet? an inquisitor shows up. I presume that's going to be the catalyst that get him to leave because if the inquisitors found him, they can find Luke. Right. So if we, you know, you, you've got to do something because inquisitors show up and feature pro, uh, predominantly heavily in the first, what, two seasons of, of rebels that whole time that Luke is, you know, a young fella that's on right. Tatooine. And if, and if he's the last hope for the galaxy, I mean, if one can show up, more can show up. So Sure, Obi-Wan's going to have to throw them off, but that's obviously going to take him back to another confrontation with You do uh, you do have canon though you have years uh before Vader discovers the identity of his son. You, you have he doesn't find out oh, who that's true. Is, yeah, that's is right. uh who he is until after the Death Star has been destroyed. Right, 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 right. He actually hires Boba Fett but, to find it too. I suppose, you know, I guess for me as a, as somebody who's not as steeped in the comics, I would maybe approach it from the, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't know that. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, so from Obi-Wan's perspective, he's just whatever it takes to protect that kid. If that means I got to put myself out there and, and drag, like drive these people off. See, and I always thought there was some intent and now we're getting into some heavy stuff here, but I always thought there was some intent to faking Padme's pregnancy in her funeral. And I thought that was on purpose so that any of the agents that would be watching would think, okay, no. Presume that the children died with Died in childbirth, right? Or child. Yeah, yeah. That would be the... Yeah, child. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we've been looking at some of the same stuff because I read something very similar earlier this week. Same thing, you know, why does she still look pregnant on her her procession? Right. And uh, the, the comments surrounding that were like, so anybody, you know, looking at her would think that any child died with her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so this one, I, again, talk about, uh, you know, stuff that you knew about, but you maybe forgot, uh, this one, I, I was aware of this vaguely aware of it and I had forgotten about it until I saw it and, uh, God love them. They're going to do a Willow television series. Awesome. As a direct sequel to the 88 yeah. movie. Can't wait. I can't really, I'm giddy over this. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I loved, I love me some Willow. Yeah. I loved it. I'm, I'm disappointed only in this, in the sense that, uh, it's unfortunate that, well, uh, any, any, yeah. I mean, uh, Mad Martigan. Oh my God. He's, he's the swashbuckling swordsman of the movie. And one of the greatest characters. Yeah. 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 To not have Mad Martigan or, or have, you know, I'm sure the show is going to explore the legacy of that character, and I'm sure we'll get some. Well, some two slides from here. I think we got a pretty good indication well, of the legacy they're going to explore. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there was a a, a clip uh, with Warwick Davis who went around a, a picnic table 
on a lot uh, and talk to the, the cast. And I'm just going to go through that. Obviously here we got uh, Warwick Davis himself coming back as Willow. Um, and then we, we, we talked to a care, uh, to an actor by the name of Dempsey brick. Now Dempsey brick, his role as of right now is undisclosed. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's mad Mardigan's son. Hit. You think that he and Sorsha had a, had a child wouldn't shock me. And that's them. I would think so. Okay. So that, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah. And just the profile of this actor. If you're not looking hard enough, you would think it's Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, I, I totally see it. I totally, totally see it. Yeah, heavy. Uh, then we move on to Amar Chadra Patel. And uh, so he's playing a character by the name of Borman. And Borman is a thief who is offered a chance at freedom from prison if he uh, assists uh, the group of characters here. I should probably preface this with the uh, the premise, right? Because right now the premise of Willow is uh, a princess assembles a party to join her on a quest to rescue her twin brother. So, um, do we think that any of the, of these characters are, um, what was the baby's name? Oh, do you remember the name of the baby at the end of the movie? Oh, I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name. <laughs> That's so horrible. It was the whole th- The crux of the whole movie was to save the baby, to get her to safety, oh. to return her to her people. Bad the no one baby. Bad I know, isn't guys. That horrible. Bad Somebody experts. in the comments is going to tell me. <laughs> Alora Dannon. Yes, Alora Dannon. So, I mean, okay, so do you think any of these characters are are uh, call back to her? Which possibly, because she could be a grown up, and then you know, her kids could be the twin. If royalty, same, if the same amount of time has passed in in universe as has passed now, how old would Alora Dannon be? So, if you guys get a chance, 40. there's a show called Reservation Dogs. I think it's on uh, okay. Netflix. It's about uh, young native kids in the States. And one of the characters is named Laura Dannon. And oh, wow. she almost has no connection to that name. Like she, it's just, no. her name. but every person she meets is an expert on one facet of Willow and yeah. explains the character to her in different scenes. Oh, wow. This is why you're yeah, named yeah, after yeah. this character. She's the character. And it's hilarious. It's actually a running oh, gag wow. in the show. A uh, great show. Oh, okay, check okay. it out. That's why it was killing me right. that I couldn't remember her name because that's oh, it's yeah, been yeah, so yeah. prominent really recently <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next up on the cast list is a uh, young lady, Ellie Bamber. Now, Ellie Bamber is playing a character named Dove, and Dove is a kitchen maid. That's all the only information I could find on her. Uh, next up, we got uh, Tony Revolori, uh, or you might know him as Flash Thompson in the uh, current MCU. Uh, he's also playing, uh, an undisclosed role. So, uh, villain, you think he's going to be a villain? Looks villainy. He's got some villain, got villain vibes with that, uh, yeah, with that, the, uh, little goatee there. Yeah. Yeah. That, and then we get the princess herself, Ruby Cruz, Ruby Cruz, who is, uh, Kit, the princess who's leading the party to rescue her twin brother. And then of course the, probably the most, uh, recognizable face for, for most of uh, the things that we love. Aaron Kellyman is back, back again, working with Warwick Davis. She is playing a character named Jade, and Jade is a servant training to become a warrior and is a friend of Kit who joins in in the quest. Now, I almost thought for a second, like, with the red hair, that she might be, you know, related to Sorsha. Maybe. I don't know. Hard to say. But, I mean... I again, I was vaguely aware that there was a Willow thing coming, and then it completely was lost on me that oh yeah, this is happening until 
the other day and it's like, oh yeah, Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I got one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap it up. And this one kind of caught me off guard because it's another one of those things that I kind of was vaguely aware of, but I didn't really know. Um, And this is one of those ones that if you weren't following social media on Disney plus day, you might've missed it. But very recently, a little movie at uh, 20th century studios just wrapped up production in Calgary. And that movie it's called Prey. So, uh, anybody notice anything about that uh, logo they want to talk about? It's very yeah, predator-like. Your font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, along with that logo, they also put out this image at the same time. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my. Does that look <laughs> Does like... Does that not strike you? There's oh your tri-laser my. cannon. So, uh, Prey, uh, upcoming science horror film by Dan Trachtenberg, director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. And it is the fifth installment in the Predator franchise and will showcase the Predator's first journey to Earth. The film releases oh. on Hulu in uh, 2022. So for those of you uh, in Canada, you will be able to watch this on Star uh, and in other international markets. So Predator means quest for fire. Like I said, it filmed in, in Calgary. Principal photography wrapped up back in September now the cool thing about this one is uh that young lady that is amber mid thunder and she's playing a character named naru now amber uh has appeared in the ice road longmire and the legion television series and she is a a comanche woman a comanche scout who is uh, protecting her tribe from a predator oh dope Looking forward to the new yeah, Predators. Big time, Zach. Yes, we big all time. are. Yeah, That image has me right <laughs> off the moon, actually, right now. Yeah, That one just blew me away when I oh, saw that. image now, is serious. Um, I think the reason that I forgot about it, and maybe a lot of people forgot about it, is that was not the original title for the movie. Uh, the working title was Skulls. So, I mean, any, any uh, news that we had heard about this film over the last year was always referred to as Skulls. And so... Like prey, prey. What is that? Oh, that's a predator movie. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth installment in the franchise. Uh, they they said that they really wanted to go back to that core element of fran- uh, of the franchise where it is, you know, the singular one person, like one hunter, one prey. Oh yeah, and uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, set in the uh, yeah during uh, uh what three hundred years ago in the uh, not three hundred years ago, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah Com- not too far away. Comanche woman. So I mean, uh, wow, it just looks so striking to see that. Oh, that's a beautiful shot, man. Yeah, big time. And I mean, uh, you guys remember the the AVP stuff, especially the uh, the Dark Horse comic. Um, what was the name of the uh, the lady predator that went off into space with them? Oh, you know who I'm talking about, though. Yeah. The the, yeah. the girl at the end where she was able to, she essentially passed the trial and and they kitted her out with and she went to hunting with them yes i can see i can totally see a similar vibe with this uh that she'll survive the film and she'll be offered you know some kind of you know either come with me or there's or a great little uh, predator game way. a couple of years ago i don't know if you tracked it out i don't know if it's available on xbox it's definitely available on ps sure. uh four maybe the five too but uh it's a two-player it's multiplayer uh group of players are are military you know, humans and one player is the predator. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of, it's oh, great. Cool. It's a neat dynamic. Yeah. 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 I think I knew that. Uh, yeah. What's her name? Machiko. Machiko Noguchi, a Japanese lady. Yeah. Who was, uh, I think uh, she was, they read the, uh, they did something different because she was a black woman in the film, but yeah, the Machiko, uh, she's got a great action figure. Any of you guys are a fan of uh, NECA's Predator line? There is a Machiko figure out there. She's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so Predator that that one caught me off guard. There's Definitely. there was a lot more that got that got put out uh, on Disney Plus Day from the uh, from the 20th Century Studio side of the house, but a lot of it was stuff that we probably wouldn't cover in our regular shows anyway. But I do highly encourage you to go and look at it. There's a there's some other sword and sorcery stuff out there that's more like like uh, teenage drama kind of stuff, which yeah. isn't my thing. So if you're I a Pixar fan, they did a big Pixar show. dump. Got all kinds of Pixar stuff coming up. Uh, yeah. There was a ton of uh, of short uh, uh, animated shorts that came out. A lot of them were older animated shorts that had appeared uh, that were tacked on to older films, like yeah. as far back as like 2012. So. I mean, if you'd been to a theater since 2012, you may remember them because That's they were right. tacked onto movies that you may have already seen. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan of the Olaf character, go check out yeah, Olaf Presents. Olaf Presents. Yeah, those are cute. We watched that uh, today with my granddaughter. So nice. She enjoyed that. All right, guys, that's been our uh, fandom power. Look back at uh, some of the highlights from Disney Plus Day. Uh, let us know what uh, your biggest highlight was or what you're most uh, you know, anticipating. And uh, let's talk about it online some more. But thanks uh, for all the great comments, guys. That was amazing. Yeah, happy to have uh, to have some viewers in on this one. Always mm -hmm. happy to interact with you guys. Engage with us all you want. Yeah. So I mean, uh, we've we've moved the show. This is what our third go now on a Sunday night. I believe so. we've we've moved to Sunday nights and we've we've made it a live stream now, which I think is actually kind of. I personally, as the as a presenter, am enjoying the format. I think it it. Uh, that ability to interact with uh, with you guys in real time has made it a much more uh, rewarding experience for me. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about Oh, yeah, that. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Big time. And, uh, you know, if you can't catch us live on Sunday nights, uh, you know that uh, later on in the week, this will get put up on all of our uh, audio uh, channels as well. So you'll be able to check us out that way as well. Cool. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to all the places that we are. And uh, there's a lot of them now. <laughs> Let me just... Uh, toss that back up here for a second remember we are on facebook twitter uh youtube and we are now on twitch so uh check us out on all of those places like and subscribe uh i'm gonna do it again here i know this is this is the typical the youtuber thing that happens all the time especially for uh young and uh and and like growing channel um <laughs> i'm looking at you we really, really appreciate everything that you guys do for us, and uh, we love the support. So I'm gonna, I'm asking, I'm begging you, please uh, share our show with your like-minded friends. Invite them to our platforms, especially our YouTube channel, because we really need to hit that 1,000 subscriber mark and 4,000 public viewing hours before we can monetize the channel. So, not saying that it's about the money, but uh, the sooner that we can get there, the sooner we bring that we can way cooler in, content in, to uh, you guys with a little well, bit of exactly. scrolling. Yeah, way cool. Yeah, it would certainly it would certainly help. Um, get me off we're my nowhere phone. near. <laughs> yes, get off your phone. Um, we're nowhere near uh, a Patreon at this point because I just don't think that there's enough. I don't know if we have enough to offer for that yet. Um, Used but... diapers. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my big play uh, for uh, for the help. And uh, again, guys, we'll be back next week with another uh, another edition of Fandom Power. Not sure what we're going to talk about next week, but you know we've got we got stuff. We got six or seven days to uh, put that together. So awesome. Until next time, guys. I'm Wes. I'm Andy. I'm Hank. All right, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?